ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Whatever Episode 40. This week, we have so much stuff coming for you, especially in the comic section. So if you're not a comic book nerd, uh, we talk about other cool things too, I guess. Don't turn it off. You should keep listening. Or, or listen to what we have to say about comic books and then, you know, go read one. Yeah, you could do that too. In fact, that's probably a pretty solid uh, path plan there. So, uh, I'm Eddie. Matt. Hey. Uh, and let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, no TV to talk about, so we're actually just going to talk to you about some um, nerd-related entertainment news. Yeah. It's actually going to be kind of an odd summer. I guess we could, you know, go the way of Reddit and just shitpost the whole summer. You know, like, just the the whole Reddit has turned into this weird place. Like, the Arrow subreddit is now pretty much the Daredevil subreddit. On the Flash subreddit, it, it they've got this fridge thing going on, and, and I get the joke, but every post is about the reverse flash as a fridge. Uh, and I, well, I guess I don't really get the joke. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. All right. So we do have a little bit of news this week, though. Uh, one of the things we had in the show notes for last week, so this isn't exactly breaking news, but one of the things I wanted to talk about nonetheless is that uh, Wonder Woman, as in the feature with Gal Gadot, will be coming to us with a female helm. Um, and when I say that, I don't just mean, uh, obviously, Wonder Woman's played by a chick, but like this is going to be directed by a woman, too. So this is the first woman to take on a $100 million budget. Wow. Yeah. Um, I dig it. That's that's a pretty big deal, I think. Like, uh, at least in in terms of like feminist filmmaking and so on. Yeah. Um, my hope is that someday we get to a point where that doesn't matter. Yeah, it would be super actually if this wasn't news at all. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's her name? Patty Jenkins yes. from such other films as I can't find that in the link here. Uh, so Patty Jenkins is going to be doing the Wonder Woman film with a hundred million dollar budget. So no pressure or anything. Um, but yeah, this movie has to be really good. In fact, the pressure's kind of doubly on for DC on this one and Patty herself because, uh, especially after how Batman versus Superman's being uh, been performing, or should I say, not performing, and just the general you know take that Hollywood's you know given that film already. So yeah, I think we have a release date now too for um, the Blu-ray release. Yeah, on June uh, something July. June tw- July. Yeah, it's July. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you might be right. I think, I think you're it, right. Ha- it almost has a two-week lead for digital download, though. So I, it'll be it'll be early July, I think, for the digital download, and then like mid July for the the Blu-ray. Yeah, um, you know, and I, uh, we, I've kind of shit on this movie for the last couple of episodes, but I'm totally going to be on that. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, uh, I'm really, really fingers crossed, hoping that this turns into like a completely different movie and it ends up redeeming a lot of those shitty qualities that uh, um, the movie had. Um, so one of the things I'd read recently was that like all the um, overdoing it sort of things, throwing in the whole uh, Wonder Woman Justice League email sequence that was like studio pressure sort of bullshit. So I'm hoping if we get a good director's cut, they'll take that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like the half a second of Barbara Gordon that we saw in the preview yeah made me want to see the movie again so I mean there's that yeah definitely um yeah bless I could watch that Batman Batman kick ass for you know all of ever yeah 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 uh and that's the DC news this week because again it's summer and there's not really anything going on now that we've seen Apocalypse and we've seen X uh, Civil War and all that good stuff so fun fact though yeah Fun fact, and I think I shared this with you the other day, but um, it's worth sharing uh, with our listeners. Um, 
So I've been listening to a lot of a, a podcast called Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith. and he- uh, I just started. And uh, folks, you probably actually should listen to that podcast. If you have to pick between our show and that show, you should probably pick that show because it's super good. <laughs> um, like uh, It is I, if you want to listen to Kevin Smith cry a whole lot. Yeah, I was just listening to... So I, I started at the very beginning. The first episode yeah, uh, features Paul Dini. So if you don't, you're not familiar with Paul Dini, he's largely or one of the people chiefly responsible for Batman the Animated Series. He's written lots of the books, uh, lots of comic books with Batman in them. He's done the Arkham City and Arkham Asylum games. He did the writing on that. So Paul Dini is the first episode, and it's fantastic. I actually just started the second episode, which features a little-known character you might have heard of, or he, or he played a little known character called the joker um and that of course is mark hamill um so and i'm only about 20 minutes into that episode but if i didn't love mark hamill enough already uh, i certainly do now he's he's kind of kind of his own special guy he is he's he's (laughs) super interesting uh it's funny because uh i think anytime you can get somebody in a room that talks more than kevin smith like he goes all toshi station about halfway through as well so it's oh really yeah you'll, you'll get a kick out of it um what I was referring to when I first brought that up, actually, was though I, I I actually just listened to the Kevin Conroy episode. Oh yeah. Um, and for those of you following along at home, Kevin Conroy uh, is the voice of Batman and or yeah. Bruce Wayne um, in Batman the Animated Series. He's he is the darkness. He is dude, the, he is the night. Dude had a shit life, right? Yeah. But went to Juilliard School of Acting with, uh, and he wasn't in the same class as these guys, but he was there at the same time as these guys. One, Robin Williams. The other, Christopher Reeve. And basically, all I can take from that is that Batman and Superman legitimately went to school together at the same time. So with Peter Pan, with Peter Pan, yeah, yeah, that's pretty kick-ass. Or the dude that they dangled the Joker in front of to get Jack Nicholson to sign on to do it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Which he was never happy about, FYI. Which is also why we got Jim Carrey instead of Robin Williams as the Riddler. Oh no! Yeah. Now that you've said, oh, Robin Williams as the Riddler could be either awesome or terrible. I lean towards awesome, though, because I tend to like everything Robin Williams does, for the most part. He's really good at playing Robin Williams. He is super good. He's actually, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's definitely got his, like, comic shtick, but yeah. he can do drama, too. Like no, he, he can He does drama really, really well, I, so th- I think that could be an interesting, I, like, if he were given the right writing for that. Yeah, I, I say things like that in jest, but, like, if you've ever seen, um, well, the, the most well-known one that he, he's done as a villain was uh, One Hour Photo. Yeah. Uh, which he was super fucking creepy in. Um, he was also the bad guy in a movie with uh, starring Al Pacino. Ooh, um, Ooh, uh, called Insomnia. Yep. Um, and that one really I did see. That. I don't think I saw the uh, the uh, one hour photo one. And then he was also a creepazoid uh, bad guy in like a two part episode of Law and Order SVU. So, oh, I'll have to check that out actually because I think he he'd do something. He, it, he's just so good. Like he could yeah. do that. He could do that fairly well. So yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. good stuff. So anyway, that was just my little tidbit that I wanted to throw out there because yeah. I think it's pretty fun. Superman cool. and Batman went to school together. Yeah, uh, and that's DC news for this week. Yeah. Jump on Star Wars. What? Jump on Star Wars. We're yeah. out of order, but let's let's do it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Because this one might might take a bit. Sure. Uh, so what we're talking about with Star Wars specifically is that there's a rumor going around, or rather, it's not really a rumor. This is what anymore. happens. This is yeah. what's happening. Uh, Rogue One is reshooting approximately forty percent of the movie. Yeah, that's huge. 
All right. Yeah, it is. So some inside baseball folks, uh, reshoots are not at all uncommon. In fact, they are common. Like it's fairly, it's fairly well the norm to do reshoots during the movie, um, for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes they'll find a scene that doesn't work very well, or they'll find a scene that they want to add in, or, um, they want to reshoot and play a different way, or it doesn't edit together. Well, suffice it to say, it's a normal thing in movie, movie making. 40% though is huge. 40% though, uh, like, I don't think that... You know, first off, again, I don't have all of the insider knowledge, but I can't re- imagine reshooting half of a movie. Okay, so the actual rumor part of this is that they're reshooting because, well, there's two there's two pieces of, of rumor, actually, that started this way. Um, the first piece was that it wasn't testing well at all. Hmm. Um, the second rumor is that they needed to do some reshoots because the dude that they got to do, um, Han Solo, for the Han Solo solo movie, mm-hmm. um, is making a cameo in it, so they need to reshoot some scenes to make that fit mm-hmm. Disney's confirmed I think at this point that the Han Solo cameo is happening but you don't shoot or reshoot 40% of the movie for a cameo so yeah okay so first off let's start with the cameo thing because I was thinking about this the other night and and the cameo thing actually kind of is driving me nuts like as, as cool as a Han Solo movie could be um, getting a Han Solo cameo in that time period that's not Harrison Ford is insane to me. Like th- this would have to be only a few yard, a few years at most before the Death Star. It's a year before, isn't it? Like I, I thought it ha- it has to be pretty. They didn't significant. have those plans. I mean, the Empire was was it's chasing not, yeah. them down to get those plans right. back. It's so. not like they got the plans, you know, when they as soon as the architect years. passed them over, and then they were like, oh, I guess we got to wait for Luke Skywalker to come along before we can act on this shit. Um, it's like they, they had to have gotten the plans fairly close to when the, the the Death Star was actually completed and, you know, Alderaan and all the things and A New Hope happened. Um, so having a cameo that's not Harrison Ford to me is going to feel really weird. Like they're going to have to they're going to have to digitally age this kid 10 years. Yeah. I mean, whatever they do. I, I mean, it, it's just we're, t- we're talking about right before. I mean, that should definitely be Han- like Harrison Ford is Han Solo in there. Uh, of course, he couldn't play that anymore, but. We're talking about a new hope, Harrison Ford. So it's going to be kind of strange seeing a different actor uh, play that character anyway, because that is such a, you know, like, uh, I'm sure we're going to get this soon, too. But like seeing somebody else play Indiana Jones to me would be practical sacrilege. Uh, Actually, I think they talked last week and that they're not ever going to do Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. Oh, thank you. So um, they were kind of setting that up with with Indy 4, which was an abortion of a movie anyway. Like they were going to have LaBeouf take over the mantle. And I was you know there were parts of that movie that didn't suck ass there were i mean it's a popular thing to say yeah. but, <laughs> um but i mean like obviously like anything having to do, well I, I can't say anything anything having to do with shia labeouf in the swinging through vines yeah that was um, not good or anything having to do with the refrigerator yeah not the reverse flash i mean it did give us a delicious uh wonderful uh, cheesy uh you know meme to use for the rest of forever but other than that and a, and a, and a cute cgi chipmunk yeah that, that was that was kind of on the terrible side. It was really terrible. Yeah, completely terrible. But um, yeah, so there were there were parts that were, of that movie that were decent. But I think they talked um, and it, this and I heard it somewhere and I don't remember where. So again, obviously this is hearsay. But the the vibe I'm getting is that Harrison's going to do Indy Five, and then after that they're probably done. Yeah, I and, think they kind of have to be, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean. I, 15 years down the line if they want to reboot it whatever i mean whatever i, I can't 
You know, I don't think anything is necessarily invulnerable to reboots. That that one, you know, some of these things, I guess, are such, uh, you know, big pieces of my childhood that it's hard to imagine seeing them a different way. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've had, you know, various successes and failures with the reboots. So I get really nervous anytime they're talking about doing that because we're going to get like a good reboot or like, uh, I don't know, the Judge Dredd, you know, the new Dredd movie. Which is badass, but probably won't have a sequel. Yeah, badass, actually way better than the first time they did that in Hollywood. Um, or are we going to get like a, um, you know, like the rumored Back to the Future reboot? Uh, or Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is actually the one that flies right to mind. Are we going to get some shitty reboot like Ghostbusters? And is this a reboot? I don't know. I can't tell. It looks like one because there's Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it is. And it, and it looks like, because the one chick looks like... Um, like fucking Egon, only a chick. That's what I'm saying. I th- I think that that it is. They, obviously, they gender bent all the characters, and uh, um, but like the 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 original cast has small parts and shit in it. So like that's what I'm wondering is like how do they fit in? Like they can't be their previous selves as a reboot because it's a reboot. Yeah. I don't so know. are they going to be like ghosts or like what? I don't know. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, like uh, if they got Bill Murray to somehow come back in and do like a Zombieland style he cameo. He is in it. Oh really? Yeah. See, he would be the one that I would expect and would not do it. He wanted to be dead, and like when he they when they were ghost. gonna do the when they were talking about doing Ghostbusters three, like he wanted to be dead, and and I think Ramus and Ackroyd when they were writing, uh, maybe it was just Ackroyd, I don't remember, but when he was writing, um, he came up with a draft that Bill Murray didn't like, and so he rewrote, and then Bill Murray was in, and then all of a sudden he was out, and then that's when they oh yeah I remember that now so. But he he did say that he I mean he's in the movie and Sigourney Weaver's in it as well so that's why wow. I'm like how are they doing they that? can't be a complete reboot if it well it'd be really lame if they were just doing like all the kids I mean I guess they could be going with like the the tried and true formula you know find the similar group but It'd I thought, right if the one chick was Egon's kid and the rest of them were just like other people. random people or whatnot yeah. but anyway we'll see well, yeah I'll, yeah I mean I'll go see it I don't know if I. This is the shitty thing about doing this podcast because I want to try and be professional and like go see all of the cool movies and whatnot, or theoretically cool movies or or nerd oriented movies. But I don't know if I could actually bring myself to go to see a Back to the Future reboot. The same. I mean, I pro- well, I don't know. I probably would because either it's going to blow me away and be super awesome, or it's going to be exactly what I expect. And either way, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. The the uh, so back to Rogue One. So we oh, yeah, we were talking about Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, we we might get a Harrison Ford or not a Harrison Ford, but a Han Solo cameo in. Well, actually, we pretty much will now get a uh, Han Solo cameo in Rogue One. Um, the other thing that I read was that they didn't like how dark the film was turning out. That was yeah, that was the other piece too that I heard is that it was too dark, which. See, and that's I kind of think it's cool. Yeah, I kind of do want them to do it dark because like, this movie isn't supposed to be part of like a trilogy. This movie is supposed to be a like this is the down and dirty side, what you don't see in Episode Four. And given the the continuity already, it's the perfect movie that should be done kind of dark. Like yeah. I don't expect anybody, any of our heroes in this movie to survive. Star Wars Episode Three should have been dark as fuck. Part of it was, yeah, but I mean, it should have been like the most drab depressing fucking piece of that entire saga to date you know what i mean like that's that's how that movie should have been Mm -hmm. just because of everything that has to happen in that movie which i think is why it was a a mistake to start off with anakin when he's fucking nine yeah um and b well there's no b they just shouldn't have started out with anakin when he was nine plus we never had a would have to deal with shitty jake lloyd 
Yeah, there's like no part of the original trilogy from a, a high-level view that I think is a, a good idea storytelling-wise. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you late-breaking news. The mosquito that's been buzzing around our heads has no more. Um, in a team-up reminiscent of, say, R2 and C-3PO, uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool, Matt and I killed that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was pretty amazing, and if we'd had video, we'd post it, but we don't. Yeah. You'll just have to take our word for it. Yep. All it's, right. Yeah. Okay, so the Summers brothers and I were watching Avengers last night, and we get to the end where Stark takes the nuke up through the, the fucking hole in the galaxy. Yep. The dimensional portal and whatnot. And the nuke goes off at the control ship. All the fucking aliens below on Earth die. Or, yeah. you know, they shut down and whatnot. And I was like, you know, they delivered that sequence in a way that was believable, albeit it's a sci-fi comic book movie and whatnot but like the way that they did that made sense and we got there in an organic manner and we didn't have to have a nine-year-old accidentally fly into a control ship and blow it up yeah that was my whole point with that is just like essentially the same scene from a different movie and one got it way right and the other one got it completely wrong see that's kind of a trope i I mean the the whole um you know just take out the central processing unit or whatever and it'll knock out all the robot buddies um i think they even did that again in like attack of the clones no that that was actually the first movie yeah yeah because that was they took out the droid the droid army okay so i'm just being an idiot so yeah but that 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 trope has happened so many times in in media uh and yeah it's it's kind of horrific to see when they get it wrong yeah yeah, especially for something like with a Star Wars budget. That's what's crazy. Oh, so That's pod racing. So anyway, we were talking about this uh, as it uh, goes back to Rogue One, 40% reshoots. Uh, Matt and I were talking about this over text the other day when this uh, story came out. I'm still pretty confident. Like, uh, yeah, we've got uh, Disney. Disney, ironically, this is, or this is sort of odd now. My faith is in Disney. Like, I remember when they first bought Marvel and, of course, when they first bought Lucasfilm. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to get some bullshit out of that. Uh, but it's turned, or even Pixar. When Disney took over Pixar, I even remember thinking like, oh, I guess here is now where we start pumping out the bullshit it reboots straight to DVD kind of crap that um, Disney's been doing for you know the last decade. So, But it's actually turned out really well you for know, the most part. It's funny because my wife... Cars 2 and 3. <laughs> is there a Cars 3? I don't know. I think there's one in the works if there uh, isn't already been released. I liked Cars 1. Cars 1 was the weakest of the Pixar movies, but it wasn't was watchable. Like, wasn't that like the last one? This is before Disney actually full-on took over Pixar, wasn't it? Isn't this the last picture that Pixar was obligated to do for Disney? Mm, possibly. I think it was, and and it was kind of not that great, but um, I didn't hate it. Anyway, um, when when they first bought Lucasfilm, like, the wife was like, man, what does that, what does that mean? And, like, honestly, like, my gut reaction wanted to be like, well, fuck that. Yeah. But then when I actually like thought about it for even two seconds, I was like, nothing they do will be worse than episode one. Yeah. So I was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> but actually, it like, seems I'm going to be- gonna like episode seven automatically better than I'm going to like episode one just because of the fact that it can't be that bad. So... And, and actually, it's turned out really well. Like, I think there's a lot of shit you could say about Disney, but when they really put their mind to it, they know how to tell a good story. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, so far, I think that's what we're seeing, you know, with Marvel still and with uh, the Lucasfilm properties, obviously, Star Wars and so on. That uh, So when we were talking about this over text, I was kind of saying, you know, I actually kind of have faith that they're going to get this right. Um, there's too much pressure on Star Wars to not get it right. Uh, um, 
so I, I think it's going to turn out okay. Uh, also, this is a really fucking le- a big leap from what we normally talk about on the show, but I was reading this book, uh, and one of the anecdotes that was in the book it, um, was talking about the making of Frozen, uh, which, you know, me and Matt are both dads to young girls, so we've all seen Frozen probably about seven million times. I don't even hate it. I, I don't. I like the movie. Um, <laughs> but they were talking about how when they when they first you know uh, started the movie, um, it was a completely different story, and they had to reshoot that shit like and rewrite a lot of it. I mean, quite up right up to the wire. Elsa was kind of actually really wicked. Yeah, yeah. which I think is more along the lines of the actual um, story, the fairy tale. I don't even. Is it a fairy tale? Yeah. Yeah, that that one is actually I, I can't remember what it's called. Um, I think it's based on something called like the Ice Queen or the Snow Queen or something like that. But it is a fairy tale. But in that, Elsa was actually like the Wicked Witch, you know, sort of character. Um, Which is weird that Disney's pulled away from that. I think well, it is a little weird, and it's not. I think it's kind of like um, just with the way society's leaning, like that. That's the type of story I think that they want to see nowadays. Um, Two can, strong women versus like one bad girl kind of a thing yeah but i mean you don't have to have a wicked witch i mean you could have a, a dude be the bad guy too well, you well, know what i mean that, like that was the thing though in this movie uh, it, in frozen was, it yeah. was the ba- the bad guy ended up being the dude there was a lot of tropes that actually disney did that sort of they subverted on that movie which is uh you know was part of their process essentially when they started off it was a very much more traditional disney story you know like uh prince and the princess versus the evil witch and you know everybody lives happily ever after and all that bullshit and they got eventually to where they got to with frozen so uh, I'm I'm still pretty confident we're going to get a good movie out of Rogue One because I think that a movie uh, of this size and caliber with enough writing on it, like there's not a whole lot of new stories, uh, Star Wars stories that Disney's done so far. And you know that Disney wants to make this, the, like they want this to be a franchise that carries them for the next 20 years. Um, well, it's like they said when they first started work on episode seven and then they were like, okay, we're going to do one Star Wars movie a year until they quit making money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they'll never quit making money. I so. mean, like heat death of the universe scale is what we're talking about when the the, the Star Wars movies stop making money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm fairly confident they're going to do well by this movie. Uh, although I am a little bit um, reticent because it, when they're saying or, or when the rumors are coming about that they want to make the movie less dark or make it you know um, softer in tone, that makes me a little bit nervous. Like, I, don't get me wrong, we're not going to get to like Jar Jar Binks level of stupidity, but. Um, I kind of want that to be a dark story. Like I would, I would really not mind. I don't think this will ever happen, but I would really not mind an R-rated Rogue One. Yeah, not the least bit. That could yeah. be amazing, actually. The the Tossy Station thing too that I brought up earlier with the Mark Hamill interview and stuff. Um, he brings up a point in that interview that you're gonna really dig, um, where he talks about how when he acted that scene out he acted it out as though he didn't believe that he was going to pick up power converters. Like he wanted to go to Tashi station, hang out with his friends, but they weren't going to go pick up power converters. They were going to go do teenager shit and like cause trouble and whatnot. So that's why he was really bent that he didn't get to go. We were going to go fuck bitches and get money. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, and, and yeah. it's funny. Cause when you hear that, then, and then you watch that scene over again in your head, you're like, yeah, that little fucker. He was just trying to get out of doing his chores. So he'd go fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so Rogue One, uh, the short of it is, Disney, don't be afraid to go a little dark. Uh, also, don't get too crazy with the whole tie-ins. You know, this this doesn't have to be a tie-in to the, the wider story more than it already is. It already ties into episode four, and I actually think that that's a good way for them to go and with it. And we're getting Vader in it. Yeah. 
So, but you don't have to go nuts with this shit. Like, it doesn't have to have, you know, all of I mean, these... granted, it's like shitty Hayden Christensen Vader, but we're getting it. <laughs> oh, are we really? Yeah. I, w- I really wish that they would retcon that. I mean, like, I assume, like, that's that's the thing, is, like, my understanding is that, like, like dudes showed up and grabbed Hayden and, like, took him and started training him, and I can't think of what else he would be in. Mm, true. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't, don't want to make it seem like he was kidnapped, but, I mean, pretty much when you're under contract, you know, film to be that character that... They just do that. Don't you think, like, first off, Hayden Christensen doesn't spring to mind as, like, the greatest actor in the world, but basically everybody's performance in those movies were shit, um, with, you know, notable exception of um, Ewan McGregor, who was okay, and uh, Liam Neeson was actually all right, too. But everybody else was kind of terrible. Um, so don't you think it would be kind of great if they managed to somehow bring him back in Anakin, as Anakin in some way? And and it was totally great. Like, wouldn't that be the biggest, like, fuck you, George Lucas? Like, Part of me, yeah, part of me kind of is, is rooting for that guy because he's done some stuff. Like, I think he was Life is, Life is a House, I think he was in, that he was really good in. Uh-huh. And, like... He's I, not a bad actor. Like that's. I, mean, I haven't he has seen a, that movie. Um, at least I don't think I've seen all of it. I've, I've not seen, seen parts the whole of it. movie. I've seen I've seen clips and shit with him in it though. So and he can act. He yeah. He's at least um, like he's not terrible. The thing is, is that when you you walk away from um the the prequel trilogy thinking, oh my god, how did that fucking guy get cast in this movie? That's but he's not that bad. He's not. Now don't get me wrong. He's he's not great either. Like nothing I've seen him in, I've been really blown away by. Um, but he's not nearly as bad as he is in those movies. And here's the thing and comic book fanboys you're gonna probably jump down my throat and whatever i don't care maybe it'll actually prompt somebody to email the show or whatever but um it's like stan lee if you read stan lee stories from the books that he actually wrote and shit like that like they're really childish um overwritten extremely wordy and expository um but nothing really eventful happens to the characters. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's very wooden the way that it's written. Like, it's it's set up with a beginning and a middle act and then a final act, usually per book and whatnot. Um, and Stanley's great because he did create these characters and the things that other writers have done with them have been amazing. So I would like to see Hayden Christensen be adopted by Disney and actually flourish yeah. in his... I, he may only get this one shot, you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. it would be awesome to see him actually do something. But here's the other thing. If we're not going to see him, why even get him back to do it? Because you know you're just going to have James Earl do the fucking voiceover anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, if he's just going to be in the helmet, who, what's the point of that? Yeah. Um. And, and I don't think there's... I'm not even sure how they would do it without him in the helmet. Maybe they'll do one of those, like, uh, giant eight-ball, you know, regenerative chamber thingies. Um, but you know, what's the point of that? Or, or I'm completely wrong and they did go get him and start training him, but it was so that they, they could redo the prequel trilogy. <laughs> I, I would, that's I like would, my wet dream. Like, I would be, yeah. Like I would like be a on DJ board. Abrams produced episodes one, two, three. Like I'm, I'm there. Uh, yeah, I would be so incredibly on board if they decided to redo the prequel trilogy. I'm sure. I'm sure though that Lucas like wrote something into the contract, like, and don't touch my movies. I'm not. I'm not even positive he's not going to turn around and sue them after they've like passed the six billion dollar mark with their next movie and <laughs> like be like, yeah, I sold this to you for a pittance. Yeah, yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what else we got on the docket for this week here? Do we want to talk more about Rogue One? No, I think we're done with Rogue One. I think we, yeah, I yeah. think we beat up on it enough. We got some Marvel shit though. Yeah, we do have a little bit of Marvel shit. One um, Marvel shit. As yep. in a Captain Marvel. 
Yeah, we have a Captain Marvel. Or so possibly Brie Larson is uh, rumored to be the first pick for the um, uh, uh, to play the part of Captain Marvel. So Matt, tell me about Captain Marvel because I know Jack and shit. I'm actually not super up on Captain Marvel either, other than what she looks like, and Brie Larson could easily do that as long as she can act. Yeah. Um, um, the other the other um, possible uh, casting rumor for that would have been, and not it's not even a rumor. It was just like a long time ago. Ronda Rousey had said that she would she would love to play Captain Marvel in a Captain Marvel movie. So I was kind of like for a while I was like, yeah, that could work. And but then I saw Brie Larson and like she's an actual actress and whatnot and. Sorry, Rhonda. Like you've been in some shit, but like, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is kind of interesting. I'm actually almost getting a bit thematic for the show too. But Captain Marvel will be the first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to feature a woman in the lead role. Says The Verge, um, and it's set for 2018. So uh, Kevin Feige has already said that they would reveal the movie's directors this summer, uh, followed closely by cast information and all that jazz. So, dude, I almost don't even see how you can say that though, when. Scarlett Johansson was such a prominent role in Captain America Winter Soldier like she was pretty big in uh, Ultron too yeah I mean relatively but that's again a thing like those movies all do such a good job of balancing the roles Captain America but yeah ScarJo was there like then that movie didn't that movie didn't flow without her in it like her her role was definitely there for a reason See, i kind of so. think they're missing the boat like i know we talked about this on the last episode or the episode before that about how um there's a a black widow movie rumored to be in production or getting ready to start production or something like that Feige said it's it's a sure thing so yeah so um Feige said you know we're getting a, a black widow movie i, I almost think they missed the boat waiting this long to do it yeah like uh, the, the and first off, it's gonna do really well. It's not like they missed the boat and now nobody's interested in, in Scarlett Johansson anymore or something like that or Black Widow. Um, but it w- it would have been kind of cooler if they'd done it uh, earlier. Like that would have made a really good like um, movie to go along with around the time that um, Winter Soldier came out, because you know that there would have been a lot similar in tone and theme. I think uh, or more just generally so. Uh, especially with the uh, flashbacks and things like that we got in Ultron. So I'm a little disappointed that they haven't done that movie already um, because that that's probably really the most natural way for them to go with that. But I'm also excited to, like, we're getting a Captain Marvel movie. Like, yeah. again, the times we live in, so fantastic. And you're going to become more familiar with Captain Marvel, too, because I believe she is the... Um I was just going to say. Antagonist in, in uh, Civil War to Tony Stark. In Civil War Two, I should say. Yep. So, so um, we're getting Carol Danvers, of course, uh, Captain Marvel in Civil War, the comic book, um, which I've read zero on, but Matt hasn't, so we're not talking about that this week. Yeah, I will tell you that um, all indications point to you do not have to be familiar with the original Civil War storyline to pick up Civil War two and and jump right into it. So yeah, um, don't. Here's the thing about comic books, and this applies to anybody. If you want to read a comic book, don't be don't be threatened by the amount of issues there were before and everything like number one you're never going to go read all 956 issues of action comics no more than likely i mean i mean some of you will but (laughs) uh yeah so just pick up a comic book and read it i mean it's it's kind of like watching pro wrestling like you don't start from the beginning like nobody ever has like you yeah. just kind of start watching and then you pick I mean, up the storyline from there and go maybe vince but <laughs> yeah that's about it yeah um yeah i didn't actually read civil war um it, when you know the books i didn't read the books the books are i think they, the, that is one of the bigger stories 
I'm looking at two hardbound covers, and they are quite large. So yeah, that is one of the bigger stories that Marvel's done. And those are um, just specific tie-ins, like yeah. Like, and I was just going to say, and, and Avengers, like that's not even the actual Civil War books. In those. Massive amounts of tie-ins with Civil War in general. 110 uh, issues, I believe, total. Yeah, I'm not sure that they're going to do that big with Civil War two. Uh, have you heard anything about that? No, I don't think there is. But yeah. I mean, there's lots of tie-ins, but I don't think they're going to be. And even with Civil War one, they weren't 100 percent necessary. But I mean, I yeah. read them all, and they were awesome so but speaking as somebody who was uh definitely not uh did not read the original civil war run and, and has now started civil war 2 it's fine like you can totally jump in there if you want to um i wouldn't necessarily recommend that as like the first comic book you ever read but you could like it's not there's nothing so outrageous about that especially in this day and age like if you've seen some of the marvel movies you could probably jump in and get most of the way there by the end of the book so yeah if you are looking for a first comic book though there's dc has lots of options right now dude yeah, I'm just saying. Rebirth. We yeah. talked about that last show, um, and like this week brought brought us four new Rebirth books, um, all specific to a character. This time, not just a overall concept. Yeah, let's talk about that. Actually, we we um, you know we there's not a lot to say with uh, the Captain Marvel thing other than yeah, you know we're getting a female home superhero movie, which as the father father of a young girl, uh, I look forward to. I hope that there's more you know big things that she can look up to like that. So, you know that's that's actually like before we completely jump into comic yeah. books and whatnot. Um, Kevin Smith, who we talk about quite frequently, like he named his daughter harley quinn right yeah if you want to hear the story behind that you can listen to fat man on batman episode number one you can um, which i just did and it's actually a funny story so yeah um but like it's so awesome now because like harley is now 16 yeah and an actress and has gone on record as saying that like her goal at this point is to someday play harley quinn so that's a little on the nose don't you you can influence <laughs> your kids that's all I'm yeah saying. yeah um that would actually be totally rad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't and, she in... She's in Yoga Hosers, I think, isn't she? Yeah. She's yeah. also in Tusk. Oh, okay. I Same have, character she plays in Yoga Hosers. Yeah, I just picked up Tusk. I, I hopefully will watch that sometime. I've not actually watched it yet either. I feel like a shitty fan because I haven't actually seen it, but... Yeah, you know, I'm only really watching it on the strength of, like, being a Kevin Smith fan because the, the premise of it just does not grab me at all. Did you watch Red State? No. Watch Red State first because it's the first Kevin Smith movie that isn't a Kevin uh, Smith movie. View Askew you know I mean? Universe. View yeah. Askew Universe. Yeah, which I think is dead. I think Mosher doesn't even have any desire to Do produce it anymore. So he's going to be in Mallrats too, but I don't think he's producing at all anymore. Interesting. So anyway, that's yeah. an aside. But yeah. Um. So DC Rebirth, lots of it. Yeah, we got four titles this week. Four titles that we read this week, and I think we are getting another bevy of titles coming out this next week. Yeah. Yeah. So Aquaman, this... Wonder Woman come out this next week, as well as uh, Titans, which I'm super excited for because that's going to have Wally West in it. So that's one of the bit, and that's I think a lot of the fans. I'm surprised actually. Um, a lot of fans I think are excited for the Titans book. We're also I think getting Detective Comics going back to its original numbering, um, which I don't remember what it is right off the top of my head. Wow. Um, and Action Comics going back to its original numbering, which I do know is 957. So we're super close to a thousand, which basically means i'm gonna have to write a script to rename all my digital comics using a four <laughs> fucking digit that's amazing yeah. um so th that's like the uh y2k of the comic book age i know yeah i think it's funny how that was like such a huge deal and everybody wasn't sure how things were gonna go and now like we're 16 years later i'm like oh, i'll just write a script and make it renumber it yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that's what like the society freaked out but the, all the it nerds were just like dude just 
a script in the afternoon. All I have to good. do is open up Notepad and type a few things. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll be all right. Um, so this weekend uh, in the Rebirth universe, though, uh, or the Rebirth titles, we got Batman, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, and Superman. Uh, Matt and I read all four of them. Is there yes. any particular place you'd like to start? Uh, let's start Green Arrow. Yeah. Because I think it's probably going to be the least read of them. Um, just because the Green uh, from Arrow a sales books, numbers, probably. I don't think Green, the Green Arrow books, Green Arrow books don't think traditionally sell as well. It wouldn't actually surprise me too incredibly much, though, if they don't they don't start selling better now. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, you have the Arrow show, and as much as it's been a complete shit show for the last season and a half or so, um, I think it still does have enough draw that it can bring in new fans. Um, and secondarily, because this particular book is going to bring in lots of fans, or bring back lots of fans, especially for those of us watch that watch Arrow now and hate certain directions they've taken, like, uh, say, Killing Black Canary. Um, this this does that. Um, so in this, this book, we get... Um, Oliver and uh, Laurel teaming back up, or rather Dinah, I should say. Oliver and Dinah teaming back up, um, you know, Green Arrow and Black Canary. For the first time. For the first time, um, in this continuity at least. So, uh, stepping back just a, just a quick minute, uh, obviously Rebirth, uh, number one by Jeff Johns, we discovered that uh, Dr. Manhattan had actually influenced the timeline following the events of Flashpoint when Barry tried to fix what he'd messed up. Yeah. Um, which led to some things being different. Um, one of those things is that Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance were never a thing. Yeah. Uh, um, to which Wally, Wally laments, essentially, like how tragic it is that they never really became a thing. Exactly. Um, so I only have one major criticism about this book. Um, and that is that the guy who helmed this issue didn't really kind of take the whole rebirth thing to heart and like work out a way to kind of explain things about them getting back together or being together again for the first time that he just kind of threw them together for the first time. Um, you know, this is interesting or this is going to be, I think a little bit of my criticism for this whole series of books. None of the books with the uh, exception of Superman, I thought have a real legit way of getting around the new 52. Right. None of the books. I mean, they're basically like almost like soft reboots, essentially like they they don't necessarily read like a continuation of especially rebirth. Number one. Right. Um, they just kind of start over a little bit, uh, start over in a more familiar sense. Um, but they kind of start over a little bit. I think Superman is the only one that really kind of is writing past rebirth and, you know, going, you know, smoothly from new 52 rebirth and then into its own book. So let's, let's talk about that one after we, we finish green arrow that we'll, sure. we'll flow into Superman and whatnot. Um, I overall enjoyed the story though. Um, we definitely are getting an Oliver Queen that I'm more familiar with from from the past, which is a super hippie liberal, yeah, like fighting social injustice every step of the way. Oliver Queen, um, he's got facial hair again, which yeah, is kind of a must uh, for Green Arrow to me. That that's the perfect rebirth thing to do. I thought, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that. There's a lot of things this book does really well. And like I said, my only criticism was really just that whole thing. And and it obviously to Eddie's point, like this book isn't the only one that suffers from that. Um, that's actually kind of why I'm really looking forward to Titans because Titans with Wally West is definitely going to be a, a legitimate continuation from it the really has to be. Yeah. Like, there's no way they just jump back into. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can't speak like I've read it because I haven't yet, but I mean, I assume that's what it's going to be if you're going to have Wally West in it. Yeah. Um. So I like this book too, uh, and I. I I totally agree. Uh, this, this is a much more traditional uh, Green Arrow. We get the, we get the facial hair back, which is a small part. Um, although I dug the beard, I almost didn't wish that he, that he went yeah, with the goatee. back to the goatee halfway through the issue. <clears throat> yeah, um, the the hippie liberal shit though. The social justice warrior line was cringy as fuck to me. Like, 
that's that's kind of his niche though like that's what he's I always mean, been it's it is but that term's been sort of co-opted lately so when i think of that i think of like blue hair you know yelling about like i'm foxkin you know gender fluid sort of bullshit like that that you find on tumblr yeah if i've offended any of you gender fluid foxkin i don't fucking care it here's the thing um i can forgive green arrow for that because green arrow did it before politicians did it yeah <laughs> I mean, um at least you know publicly so um yeah it's fine like if you read it without that sort of uh um tertiary knowledge uh it's not bad uh at all it's just that that particular term for me is like when i read it it's kind of like oh man anybody describing themselves as a social justice warrior is probably a douchebag and this is this is one of those things too. Um, this book right here takes its place in in a real city, like unlike a lot of the yeah, DC titles. This is based out of Seattle, um, which I'm almost kind of surprised they didn't move him back to Star City. I was a little surprised by that too. I mean, I have been in Seattle through the New Fifty Two and whatnot. I know you haven't read read all those, but yeah, I was gonna say I think there isn't there. Um, I think even pre New Fifty Two, didn't he end up in Seattle? Yeah, it went back and forth. Um, yeah, Brightest Day I think had him in Star City, but before that, I think when they were doing the. Um, was it Kevin Smith's run? I don't know. I don't remember. There was definitely a, a run of books where they were, and, and these books were, it was more like DC for your parents. Yeah. Like it was, it was more grown up titles and stuff like that. It moved him to, uh, to Seattle. So he's kind of bounced back and forth from Seattle to star city. And, um, it wouldn't surprise me incredibly if that didn't happen in this, this run too. Like if he didn't end up in star city at some point, you know, now that, now that they haven't put him in there, it, it would actually surprise me if they moved him to star city just no, because, so. well, I mean, Jeff Johns' whole idea behind the rebirth was that we're not rebooting again. We're keeping what worked from both yeah. past and present. So the Seattle angle probably works and it's fine, you know, and <laughs> I think people point. can identify with it. Yeah, that's true too. If it's a city they've been to, you know what I mean? Like it's like, nobody's been to metropolis. Or Gotham, yeah. or Coast City, or any, you know what I mean? Like, so. Plus, I just, don't you just automatically insert, like, the real world counterparts into that? Like, when I think Metropolis, I think New York City. When I think Gotham, I think Chicago. When I think Coast City, I probably think of uh, something akin to, like, San Francisco. No, I don't think San Francisco's right. I would have, I would have probably said something like, um, actually, like. Coast uh, City would be Frisco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco, not Frisco. San yeah. Francisco, but yeah. Like many many San Franciscans just heard you say that and they were like, "Oh fuck that guy, yeah, fuck that dude." <laughs> like when like when we hear people say Oregon, Oregon, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the, you know, you want to know where you're wrong in that analogy though? What's that? Gotham is New York. Gotham is New York. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, they actually like think about when Gotham City was created in the comic books and think about how fucking much of a sh- crime infested shithole New York was clear up until like the mid to late '80s. Yeah, like that is. That is New York. See, uh, and they even call New York Gotham these days. Yeah, you're not wrong. The, the I think the reason why I go to Chicago is because, um, especially from the newer the newer where, Batman where they stuff. Filmed Batman Begins and, and the Dark Knight. Yeah, and and it it has a lot of parallels to modern day Chicago, and, um, and that's probably where I'm I'm getting that from is because modern Chicago is corrupt as fuck and like it, it, you could drop in a lot of the things that happened in Gotham for modern Chicago yeah. and, and you'd probably be pretty close to the mark um, so I think that's where I'm getting that from but yeah no I see that totally too because um, New York New, it does definitely share a lot of uh, similarities to that's, New York that's always kind of been the thing with Gotham and Metropolis both is they've always kind of been analogs of New York City and mm-hmm. the fact that certainly different aspects of New York but yeah, yes well it just like in the dark uh, or fuck was that movie we just talked about batman versus superman not the dark knight yeah 
BBS, um, they were literally across the bay from each other, like the harbor or whatever it was. Yeah. And that's kind of more how I see those two cities as being, they're both New York, really, essentially. And actually, that was one of the few things uh, that didn't bother me about the movie. Like no, I, I, know, I like I know a lot of nerds were like, oh, that's not fucking whatever. Batman well, couldn't just fly over to, you know, but that, that, that actually didn't bother me. Like, I like that part. It didn't bother me at all because it kind of, it, for the first time ever, it kind of actually, like, put a geographic location to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, whereas before, like, if you watch Smallville for 10 years, you're like, oh, Metropolis is in Kansas because so is Smallville and that's been a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I never had that impression growing up as a kid. Like, I never thought Metropolis was Kansas at all. Oh, no. In fact, I thought completely the opposite. Like, yeah. th- that's why, you know, in so many of the comics, uh, Clark gets called Smallville all the time because you're like from this rinky dink nowhere piece of shit town in Kansas. Uh, and now you're up in the big city. And so when I think big city, I think, you know, especially Metropolis, Metropolis in my mind has always been New York. So, you know, using real geography, I always think he's gone from Kansas to New York. Yeah. Um, obviously, in Smallville, they changed that. And he, you know, you can make it. It's like a day trip to Metropolis or a couple, maybe an hour or two drive. It's nothing like oh my gosh, they're so far away sort yeah. of thing. Clark um, does not seconds, you know, so. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, I fucking still love the series Smallville and everything like that. I just, like, that's one of those points where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and suspend my disbelief for sake of the story because it's, yeah. it's fine. The, you know, now, now that you mention it too, I, I don't think that ever even, like, occurred to me to think, like, no, that doesn't make any sense because, A, uh, I don't think there's any, anything close to what I picture Metropolis in Kansas. Like, what's the next biggest, what's the biggest city in Kansas? It's not Topeka. It's probably Kansas City. Well, Kansas City is technically Missouri. Well, I think it's on both sides. Oh, right? uh, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where's that place that got Google Fiber? Because that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of Kansas City. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but just what, whatever the biggest city in Kansas is, it doesn't ring to mind Metropolis to me. But, yeah. you know, that it's all open to interpretation in some respects. Like this is why Metropolis has no defined location in the real world in most continuities. So. And to be honest, like DC's fine doing that. Like it's it's whatever. Because I mean, those cities can be whatever they need those cities to be. Yeah, that that's actually one of the and things. I think that's why they did it. Ironically, location is is uh, one of the things that I think separates DC and Marvel pretty heavily. Like oh, in, it is because everything in Marvel takes place in New York. <laughs> Yeah, everything in Marvel takes place in New York, and there's some other times when they, you know, go to L.A. There are some notice, notable exceptions. Like, I'm not sure where I can find Wakanda nobody, nobody, in a real world map, but nobody counts Avengers West Coast. Yeah, um, for sure. But like Wakanda, Sarkovia, like as far as I know, those aren't real places. No. Yeah. Um, so those things are, are false. So usually, you know, the, when they decide to go overseas, uh, they make up some country for there to be some infinite conflict in. But um, DC, DC is always like in some weird place. Like DC is always like not weird, but like it's always Metropolis, Gotham, Star City, Coast City, etc. Um, or, you know, in space somewhere if we're talking about the Lantern Corps. Um, whereas Marvel is usually a little bit more rooted in like all the superheroes are in New York, like yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Green Arrow... It was a, it was good actually, and if and if you're if you're a Green Arrow reader that stopped reading because of the New Fifty Two incarnation and whatnot, now is a good chance to go back. It is. Um. So and, and if you're you're an Arrow fan, as in the TV show Arrow, I, I think this is a good book to go, especially if you've been disappointed as we have with the recent runs of Green Arrow, uh, or recent runs of Arrow, the recent season. This is a good book to jump back into because it, it very um very much is sort of like a uh, counterpoint to you know things like Guggenheim saying like we didn't have any more stories to tell featuring the Black Canary it's kind of like well maybe 
you're not that good then because <laughs> there's like a million more stories you can tell maybe, featuring maybe you've never actually read a comic book yeah maybe, maybe just read like a couple because this isn't like uh, rocket science essentially yeah um and, and it is one of the excuse like that i mean i hate to be that guy but like that's that's such a fucking cop out oh it is uh, i mean when it really comes down to it um see this is another thing like uh so uh this is really nerdy but on on my pc i use TweetDeck, or it is, isn't specific to pc anymore because you can basically open it up like a web page but i use TweetDeck, and so one of the things that TweetDeck does is lets you set up different columns and you can make those columns a whole bunch of things like if you want to follow every tweet from a specific user you can do that if you want to follow specific hashtags or searches, you can do that. So I have a few hashtags set up for a lot of the stuff that I like as columns. And I had the Flash one set up, and I've got a DC Rebirth set up. And, you know, those are all really cool. And you, you see, you know, lots of cool stuff and lots of dumb shit, too. But I, I had the green arrow. I had the arrow one, like, set up for arrow for, uh, like, all of 10 minutes. And then I was just like, nope, fuck that. Like, because so many people, like, I could not believe how many people were like, oh, man, that's the best season of Arrow ever. And I was like, well... I guess, I guess that this fandom is like out of their minds. Like, it made me really question like they're who CW the, fans. Who the, who the not, watchers not, of this show are. Because yeah, they're not Green Arrow fans. They're CW fans. That's that's the only explanation. Because here's the thing, and I'm not knocking CW because honestly, without the CW right now, like I don't have a comic book show to watch four nights a week. No. Um, well, three nights a week. So I'm not sure about Arrow. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and here's the thing, man. Like, and I think we had talked about this last episode but like if this was 20 years ago i would be forcing myself to watch arrow every single week because it's oh, what so i have I, yeah you know what i mean but now i have options like i've got agents of shield on tuesday i got the flash on tuesday i got supergirl i got and yes supergirl is better than arrow right now oh no no question fucking fire away I go, don't care. go back and listen to our first episode or first episode where we talked about supergirl and holy shit would you be surprised to listen to us today say supergirl is indefinitely better than um um arrow yeah so um legends tomorrow like legends is probably the next weakest next to arrow but it is still heads and heads and shoulders for me above arrow it has issues with storytelling in terms of time travel which is don't get me wrong time travel that's a bitch of a story to tell anyway because nobody's ever going to get it right because we oh, don't yeah. you, actually you need know. like eight nerds on the set just fact checking and, and like logic checking yeah, can, can your they do time that? travel bullshit because can they really steal infants and give them to some lady yeah yeah. <laughs> um that episode was kind of weird, but that was kind of weird, but anyway. Anyway, the, the point being um it's still weird to me because you have uh obviously the Flash uh, is on CW as well. And so great. And so great. It is so great and they it managed to It captures the essence of what the Flash is, like from the comic books to and it's rated it, it's uh, rated better, you know, and it has been rated better for a little while now than Arrow. It, it's crazy to me how um, they're letting one showrunner go full CW bullshit on it, which, you know, fine. I understand that there are still teenage girls in this world that like to watch the CW, and I have a few guilty CW pleasures myself. So um, renew the Vampire Diaries. Right. But it just, it's crazy to me that you can look over at The Flash and see how incredibly well The Flash is doing while telling some stories, you know, rooted in comic books that are well written for the most part. And then you turn over to Arrow and say, oh gosh, we got to write the show this way because we got to appease this audience. Because there's no way we could get viewers if we didn't do this, you know, sort of over, uh, you know, drama filled bullshit stories that they've been doing later. And the whole thing where, where Guggenheim was like, we didn't have any more Black Canary stories to tell. I guess what? She's been in comic books for like 50 years. Yeah. And you know what a comic book is? It's a fucking storyboard. 
I'll it, beat it this is. fucking. It, I'll, I will beat this into the ground. It's a fucking storyboard. Like half your work is already done. Maybe you don't do the exact same story, but you've already got it boarded out. You know how to do it. And the and the Flash is doing exactly that. That like they are taking co- very very uh, tradi- not traditional but comic book stories. There's they're straight up talking taking comic book stories and they are revamping them and using them in the Flash in certain ways. You know, like this last season was very much a Flash comic book story. Like we, it looks very much like we're getting in the Flashpoint straight straight down to the finale where like the bad guy is like, you know what, we're gonna race. Yeah, that's a comic book story. That if is I ever that is a one. straight up Flash comic book story too. Um, so. Yeah, I just fuck Arrow, man. I mean, maybe not fuck Arrow, but fuck Guggenheim for sure. Like Guggenheim yeah. and Miracles need to go. And and I fucking love Stephen Amell. Yeah, I mean, don't and get honestly, me wrong. I like the Felicity Smoke character when she was there as a supporting character, not when the show revolved around her. Yeah, she. If uh, again, and, if, you, and if you just, just don't the, let her do tech speak anymore. If you just took the same, if you took the same cast and crew and moved them over to the Flash writers, which you know is basically Arrow season one and two. What a phenomenally better show that it is, um, and that's that's you know true with the Flash too. They have very good characters; they just don't overdo it. Um, they and they don't shoehorn them into roles that they really have no place being. And like their characters don't, serve don't get me a wrong. Purpose. You can go on the internet and you can find uh, um, Caitlin Snow slash Barry Allen fanfic, but that doesn't mean you need to make a TV show out of it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. Hell, you could probably find fucking Cisco and anytime, Barry Allen fanfic. Any, I guarantee it. Anytime that you see a character walk in to the set on the Flash, like you know that that character is going to be relevant at some point, whether it's in this episode or later on. But I mean, like even the Pied Piper. Yeah. They found a way to bring him back and work him into the storyline and make him not a douchebag and everything else. Um but they didn't that's the thing but, like but they, they use him as an interesting character like he he was an interesting character and how they managed to do that was uh, i thought well written for a comic book show anyway and felicity felicity could be an interesting character like she's she was great when they first introduced her for what she was doing i just i'm not buying that everything in the show fucking revolves around her i'm not buying that laurel's dying words were at least you found felicity or whatever the fuck she oh, said oh seriously like i'm not buying it at all yeah that 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 was just a fucking train wreck um and it's funny like i mentioned earlier uh, if you go on to reddit at, at all the arrow subreddit has basically turned into the daredevil subreddit and that's it really an interesting parallel and i don't think it's coincidence that they picked it at all because it, to me daredevil is what arrow could be there's still so- has an amazing female support role in it in rosario dawson and you know what not every episode revolves around her. In fact, no episode legitimately revolves around her. Yeah, and and but frankly, she's amazing. Frankly, you you could make them revolve a little bit more around Rosario Dawson. Uh, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Shit. Uh, Bryce would agree too if Bryce were here. Um, in fact, he'd probably just be drooling on the table, but possibly fondling his penis. Maybe more than likely. But uh, so you could you could I think even give a little bit more than her, and and it wouldn't be overwhelming. The thing is, is that. Um, they they haven't tried shoehorning that character in a place that it doesn't need to be. Yeah, because they understand what her role is. Yeah, I mean the the thing about Felicity is she was created specifically for the show, and so like there's no real definition of what her character needs to be and whatnot. But there is very much a definition of what the Black Canary character is supposed to be. I saw a really good uh, counterpoint or, or point to this too, which was talking about Chloe Sullivan versus uh, Felicity Smoke, because in a lot of ways they share some similar some similarities. I never hated Chloe though. I didn't either because, again, they knew how to use that character well. Like, it, 
first couple seasons, like it got kind of old because she was always jealous of Lana and whatever. Like that did get a little bit CW to me for a yeah. while. But you know what they did? They fixed it. They did, and that was fine. And I and <laughs> for you know, it, it's not exactly completely you know natural, um, like you know real life would be. But in, in a lot of ways, it's not unnatural either like uh i think if i remember correctly essentially chloe's really into clark and she wants to you know hit that superman juice uh and then somewhere along the lines they they just kind of morph and she decides you know that's not how it's supposed to go and they're just legitimately best friends like just legitimately straight up best friends you know so um why can't they do that in the show Anyway, this is a big fucking aside from uh, Green um, Arrow. Green Rebirth. Arrow Rebirth. Go read it. It's so, awesome. Yeah, you should check it out. It is it is good. Um, the Green Arrow, and I think this is going to come up when we talk about the other Rebirth titles, it does not uh, necessarily form a continuity from Rebirth, the book, um, in the way that I thought it would be. It is sort of almost like a soft reboot, um, which is which, which wasn't bad. Like I like the story. I like the book overall. So you know, I'd still give it a thumbs up. But uh, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but anyway so superman um i need a refill all right but before i get a refill hold on don't drop the marker yet all right because i'm gonna talk about beer for just a minute well let's do that um i'm not even gonna talk about what we're drinking right now because i mean it's good but here's the thing <laughs> um and you don't know this yet but you're hearing it here for the first time uh next week my plan is to go to the brew supply shop and brew the first ever whatever show ipa oh which I kind of think you have to be a part of. So I, I, I think it's. <laughs> I mean, we don't have bylaws here because we're not nearly professional enough to figure this shit out ahead of time. But yeah, that if if we had a contract, that'd be in there. Yeah, yeah. So um, and this is gonna be version one, and I'm gonna start out easy, and I'm gonna do an extract brew because I haven't brewed anything in like a year and a half and whatnot. Um, so uh, once we get a recipe that we like and we get it dialed in, then I'll start converting the recipe over to all grain, and we'll actually do it the hard way and everything else. But uh, yeah um yeah so whatever show ipa look for it wherever fine beers are sold no matt's kitchen but um you know if you're my brother and listen to the show like there's definitely some in it for you because i still owe you some beer all right with that we'll be back with the refill and uh we're gonna talk about superman yep okay so we're talking about superman yes uh, rebirth. so superman rebirth actually as i mentioned before does actually form probably the cleanest uh transition from the rebirth book to superman uh uh rebirth and okay. i i liked it overall i, I thought first off i'm I, I, spoilers i'm happy with pretty much all, all the rebirth titles that i've read so far yeah number one um the writer has a big 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 influence on superman uh and we talked about this he wrote the eight issue story arc that led into the rebirth um section of it peter j tomasi yeah um here's the thing i've been reading peter tomasi books for a long time and uh because he wrote for green lantern corps Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you're, if our audience knows this, but like pretty much if there's a Green Lantern comic book out there, I read it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, all it's of come them. up before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I never thought when I was reading his stuff, like it, his stuff was always really good. But like I was so used, to, I was also like he was writing for Green Lantern Corps at the same time as Jeff Johns was writing for Green Lantern. So it's. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm just used to good writing when it comes to Green Lantern books anyway. So I never really. Um, put a lot of stock into it but then I also read I think the first 25 issues of the new 52 Superman book mm-hmm. and I just it didn't feel right to me no uh, um, I, I think that's why 
of Rebirth, so spoilers, in the Rebirth title, uh, or not, no, sorry, not Rebirth, the Super League tie-ins. Uh, so there's about eight, eight issues of tie-ins for Super League, and uh, at the end of it, the, the final thing, basically, is that New 52 Supes dies. Yeah. Um, but more than that, to my point about uh, Peter J. Tomasi, is it really it took reading a bunch of Superman comics that I really didn't like that much, and then going back to it after he started writing for it and and reading that big eight issue arc where he not only wrote the Superman book, but he also wrote the action comics tie-ins and he wrote the Batman Superman tie-ins and everything else. Um, Really solid work. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And rebirth, I think doesn't stray from that. It it was a really solid storyline and it makes sense why there's a rebirth in the Superman titles. And, um, Let's not bury the lead on this. Let's just talk about it. Um, Basically, what it says is, and and what we kind of alluded to in the Super League story, is that we have another Superman that's here from a parallel Earth uh, with his wife and child, which are the Superman that we all grew up with up until New 52 started. Yeah. Until Flashpoint and New 52, I should say. And that's actually probably a big part of this um, storyline. So uh, one of the bigger Superman stories, if you haven't read Superman in a while, is uh, the death of Superman story. Uh, Superman fights Doomsday and loses. Uh, Well, wins and loses. It's a a stalemate, basically. But Superman ends up uh, dying at the end. And so what the the story in this book is, essentially, is um, him trying to find a way to resurrect uh new 52 soups because he's not entirely convinced that he's actually dead because you know he's quote unquote died before and come back and so using kryptonian technology and some some various other things yeah that's that's what i thought was so keen about the story like and then part of it was just kind of it was comical and i I think i texted you about it after i read it too because it was just like he goes okay so when i died this and this and this happened and we used this piece of technology that was in the fortress of solitude and whatnot and she's like oh well i know where his is let's go there yeah and so they go there and he's like uh okay well that's not here we're fucked yeah like- <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a very like um that that i thought was a little bit of the, the weaker part of the book like i actually did when i started reading the book i thought oh man they're gonna actually bring back new 52 soups and he's gonna be in this book too which to me wouldn't have been horrible like they could have yeah. done that and it'd been fine um but no they were just kind of like uh nope he's gone uh can't find that piece of tech and we're fucked so whatever i'm not entirely convinced that we're not gonna see him come back at some point anyway though um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, and I think they kind of alluded to that a little bit. We in don't this have book. a Superboy book right now, and it would make sense to, like, they were able to resurrect him, but he came back younger. Adolescent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that could be, I don't know, that might be interesting, but it was kind of funny because they, they, he got back, and, you know, there, this was almost, um, this is a little hammy where they're kind of like, you know, uh, old Superman goes and finds Lana and Lana's like, Oh yeah, he, uh, Clark totally had the fortress of solitude thing. Let me show you. And he ends up there and it's kind of like, well, I guess I live here now, you know, like this is mine now. Yeah. Well, I, th- I thought it was, it was, it was, it was a touching issue for parts of it. I, it was funny though, because Lana's so fucking abrasive. Yeah. In this book. Like, it's like, cause she's like, no, this is my Clark. And he's like, ah, I get it. But I mean, come on lady. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Nope. I'm doing what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, oh, whatever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, not really the Lana Lang where I think we're used to. Um, See, th- this definitely doesn't bother me. It um, didn't bother me at all. I was just like, that's, I mean, it was, 
I haven't read enough modern Superman stuff dealing with Lana to know whether or not that that's actually part of her character or whether or not that was like specifically like a, a, a Deus Ex Machina just to get us where we needed to be. See, see that's that's the thing I was going to say too. Like I didn't read far enough into the uh, new su- new Fifty Two Superman to even know that they had any sort of relationship whatsoever. I don't think. Yeah. Um. So. I'm fine with that. Like, I, I actually don't think that the way that they went, uh, at least from what I'm picking up from the, you know, the the Super League and Rebirth titles, I, I don't think that the way they went with the Lana Superman relationship was bad. And actually, I kind of like it. Like, that's a good way to reimagine a a thing. It was a lot like what we were hoping that Oliver and Felicity would be. Like, they were just super good friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're just <laughs> absolute best friends, trust each other implicitly, etc., and so on. Uh, that that I think would have been a perfectly fine way to go, and probably the way they should have gone with um, Arrow. But you know, here we are. Yeah, let's not get onto that fucking track yeah, again. Yeah, derail the show for another hour and a half. Um, um, yeah, this this is a good title. It was. I liked it a lot actually, and it was. I think the last book I read out of those out of those books. Um, I think I jumped right into this. I think I might have read this one first because, um, especially having uh, Super League fresh in my mind, uh, I, I kind of wanted to see how that turned out a little bit. And uh, one, you know, one of the theories that was going around having read Super League, and I had this thought too, was, oh, that's that's our that's Superman. You know, that's the Superman we all know. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I was I was happy with that decision or that that decision to go that way with that. And I still am. Like, Do you think he comes back with the red tights, or I mean, the red underoos and the and the yellow belt? Uh, no, because I've already seen leaks, and I d- I do know they're going a different direction with the suit. Um, but I wish they would. Like I I do kind of wish that they would go back to a little bit more classic look Superman, um, or at least take stylings from both because there are some things that they did really well with, that I liked with the new Fifty Two Superman costume, and some things that I hated. That's actually one of the things I really dig about the um, Man of Steel and the BVS costume. Like I, I it's very similar to the new Fifty Two soups, and like it it looks more sleek. It looks a little bit more like a superhero costume, I think, than like underoos. Yeah, the underoos is a bit much, I think, for this day and age. Um, and I don't think that's part of the new 52 costume, but I have some seen some leaks of, uh, you know, or not, it's probably not a leak. It's probably intentional promotional material, but I have seen the, uh, new, the rebirth costume stylings and it's, it's, um, more reminiscent, I think of new 52 than it is of, uh, the old costumes. It'll be interesting to see where we go. Yeah, but I do think definitely they're going to put him back in blue soon because I think what's going to happen, or the natural progression, is that this world needs a Superman. Can he keep the beard? I kind of want him to. The yeah. beard's super dope. It's super dope. Yeah, hi. Yeah. I mean, I'm as a fellow bearded gentleman. As, yeah. as a bearded gentleman myself, like I'm just like, why aren't there more superheroes with beards? And like, I'm not talking like crazy fucking Aquaman with a hook hand beard. Like. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, you may be getting your wish there because Aquaman has a beard now in the uh, DCCU. In, in the cinematic universe? Yeah. Well, it's Jason Momoa. Like, I'm never, ever going to compare myself to that dude because I'm <laughs> a fat white guy who sits around and reads comics all the time. But Dude, I, I, know, the, I know the feeling because I was just thinking, like, well, Superman, you know, like, not like I'm going to sit here and compare myself as a beardless dude to, uh, um, what's his fucking name? Henry Cavill. Yeah. Like, no, we're not in the same ballpark yeah i uh, just like me versus cal draga i don't think there's any fucking comparison <laughs> i'm sorry i'm betting against you but yeah, yeah i am yeah. yeah i'm betting against me too like yeah. that's you're like give me five on the dude that fucking kills me because that's gonna be him yeah. yeah yeah um um 
let's talk Green Lanterns then. Yeah, okay. So y- y- you you got to talk about Green Lanterns a little bit because this is the book where I was lost the most. Uh, I have no idea who the fucking chick is. That's because um, so I I actually read the entire Justice League run from the New Fifty Two, and yes, I know. Every time something comes up, I say, "Yeah, I actually read the series because I read a fucking <laughs> lot of comic books." People. Um. Anyway, I got a bunch of kids. What else am I gonna do? Yeah, I gotta escape somehow. Yeah. Um. So I know who the guy was. I don't remember what I was reading that the 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 new Lantern guy. Um. Simon Baz. Simon Baz. Yeah. So he actually shows up. He's not at the beginning of the New Fifty Two. I don't think he's not. Um, maybe, maybe no, maybe he is because I think maybe I started on the, the Green Lantern books in the New Fifty Two, or maybe yeah, he might he might come in pretty close to the beginning and stuff like that. So yeah, because I know that's not where Justice League starts. He's kind of a with. baby in terms of of uh, being a Green Lantern or whatnot. Like he's not been there for that long. He doesn't have a super huge legacy or anything like that. Yeah, um, he I think he's a New Fifty Two original. So the chick Jessica is that her name? Cruz. Yes, I think. Yeah, probably. So she is a shut-in. Like I think she was raped at one point, um, and so she kind of locked herself in her apartment and is afraid to go out and like total xenophobe and whatnot. Uh, and her origin comes from the Justice League storyline having to do with the um, oh god, what Earth are they from? Are they Earth three? Are they the the evil, the crime syndicate, Superman, Owlman? I think that's Earth three, but I'm not positive. Superwoman. And uh, Power Ring. Well, Power Ring is actually, like, the ring is actually what controls the individual in, in that particular instance. And it's it, um, it's an entity called Volthoom. Mm-hmm. And Volthoom is in the ring. Um, and you find out in, I think it's the last issue of Justice League that, that talks about it, where the ring, encap- like it, it basically captures the souls of those that wear it. And their bodies die eventually, and then the ring goes and flies off and finds somebody else. And it basically looks for somebody who's scared of life, because it's easy for that that ring to latch onto and take control of and whatnot. Okay. Um. And so that's when it found Jessica. When the last power ring was 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 killed, it found it found Jessica. Only she kind of found a way, and she was working with Green Lantern and the Flash to overcome it. Okay. And whatnot. Um, until like the final push during the Dark Side War, and then the ring kind of took over, and she was trapped inside of it. And the only thing is, is Cyborg, before his body was taken over, had transferred his consciousness into the Power Ring because it's still semi-technological and whatnot. Okay, and so he kind of found her soul that was trapped in the ring with the other poor souls that had worn it before and whatnot, and he and her kind of devised a way for her to escape out of it, and it gave her enough control to control herself for like a split second to save the flash because the flash was actually overtaken by the black racer at the time so he was basically death and death needed to collect somebody before it was going to let flash go and so she sacrificed herself for that only the the life that it took was actually volthoom okay and she lived so the ring kind of disappeared and whatnot and she lived and then that's when a green lantern ring found her and it was like you have the ability to overcome great fear. Welcome to the Green Lantern Corps, basically. And like, kind of the tagline at the end of that is like, "Why does Earth need another Green Lantern?" Like, there's like five of us now. It's funny because that um, <laughs> that was one of the things that I got in this uh, in this book. Actually, Green Lanterns uh, Rebirth 
has that same sort of like yeah how many fucking earthlings are going to be lanterns because we've got like more lanterns than the sector could possibly need but yeah yeah, like i i think it both simon baz and jessica kind of talk about that like how many what i yeah. think it's funny because simon bass is like oh just stand back lady i'll i'll handle this yeah um no this was a good book actually because it's it's another one that's not even like it's not even like a reboot at all um and the green lanterns haven't been because again that i've mentioned this before pre-new 52 jeff johns had jumped into green lantern and really fucking revitalized that franchise and made it yeah we've already had a green lantern rebirth event yeah like he really made it where like what it needed to be um and it was super good so when they did the new 52 flashpoint all that kind of stuff like we never really saw any changes in the green lantern books at all and i think we're seeing more of the same here because we don't need it but what we are seeing is it's kind of a a different approach to the green lanterns which is where like hal jordan comes into it because he's kind of he set up the whole manhunter thing Hal Jordan's like the 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 master at this point. Like these are the students. Hal Hal's the master. So Hal comes in and actually I think, this is different too. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of the different piece, and I'm waiting to see where he comes into it because in the in in Green Lantern, at the end of the New Fifty Two run, he started kind of. I I think ten issues back or so, he stole the original power gauntlet that the Guardians had created before they created the rings, um, which was super fucking powerful. Uh, used the same thing. It, I mean, it, it you charge it with your willpower and whatnot, but it was way more devastating than the Green Lantern ring. It didn't have any control to it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he basically stole it and beat up Kilowog because the Green Lanterns... Um, there was a group of shapeshifters that had impersonated Green Lanterns and kind of sullied the reputation galaxy-wide and whatnot. And so Hal Jordan, in an attempt to redeem the Lanterns in the eyes of the rest of the galaxy took the blame on himself similar to batman at the end of the dark knight oh, okay you, the the same idea like he's the hero we need but not the, or hero that we deserve but not the hero we deserve but not the hero we need something <laughs> yeah. i don't know yeah yeah whatever whatever fucking gordon said yeah same same setup like he wanted to he wanted to take the weight on his own shoulders and so he stole the power gauntlet set up the whole fight between him and kilowog and kilowog was in on it the whole time mm-hmm. and took off um well his interfacing with the power gauntlet kind of led to the point where he like he fought parallax parallax from a different earth showed uh-huh. up which could end up being parallax from the same earth as our new superman and whatnot or mm-hmm. old superman as it may be um and he basically started turning into this big translucent green entity and it it, it took some doing to like bring him back down to earth and be human again and whatnot and he was like, man, I need to go figure this out. And that's kind of like the last time we see Hal Jordan until we see Green Lantern's Rebirth. So I don't know if they're ditching that whole idea. Interesting. Because he's obviously a lantern again. He's got a ring again and shit. So that's there's a new there's another Rebirth that's, I think, having to do with Hal Jordan that's coming up. And I, I'm going to have to take a look at it. Yeah. that I didn't. Get, yeah. Uh, obviously um i didn't read that arc but i did i didn't get that impression at all like from this book like from this book i got the impression that we're seeing like classic hal jordan you know green lantern hal jordan and that's that's what that's what we got essentially but he's not like i don't know how he got to the point where he is now yeah Um, and i think that's going to be explained because he's taken off that's basically why he set up this whole thing for yeah he essentially says something along the lines of like uh i gotta go be somewhere else so you guys are going to guard earth and so what he does is he fuses the the power battery of the two of them together together it's like now you're interdependent on each other and you got to figure the shit out on your own which is cool i like the idea of that 
Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know if that had any like um, pre- uh, precedents in comics or in Green Lantern comics before, but I thought that idea was it was pretty good. The idea behind the Green Lantern ring is that you're limited only by your own willpower. Yeah. Um, Sinestro has done some fucked up shit before when he was a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. And in fact, at the beginning of the New 52, Sinestro was a Green Lantern and Hal Jordan no longer had a ring. Yeah, I have read that far. And so Sinestro essentially created a duplicate of his ring, gave it to Hal Jordan, but Sinestro ultimately had final control over the ring and whatnot um, until later on when Hal Jordan, yeah, you know, got got his ring back and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, you can basically do whatever you need to do if you have the will and the imagination to do it. Um, and, and honestly, if you ever want... Here's, here's my thing, man. If you want to get into Green Lantern, you want to read, like, Green Lantern volume three from the 90s 47 48 49 and 50 it's the fall of Hal Jordan and the birth of Kyle Rayner as a Green Lantern because they really do a good job at the beginning of the of the Kyle Rayner run explaining exactly what the Green Lantern ring is all about and gotcha. what you can do with it and all that kind of stuff um, I make fun of people and like I said, you're never going to read all 950 issues of, of action comics and whatnot. And Green Lantern is not that big of a series, but I legitimately have read every single issue since 1991. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> see, if you follow it though, it's not that hard to do. Like, especially no. like right now, like, um, you're following, uh, it's actually kind of nice being really behind on a lot of these books because I can read, you know, 30 of them at a time. Uh, it really sucks actually for the comics that I read that I really like and I'm caught up on. Like one of the other ones we're going to talk about, actually a couple of the other ones we're going to talk about today. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's crazy because, um, when you're following it monthly, it seems like it's, it takes so long, but like if you get like a big backlog of comics and you can just sit down and, and read comic books, like it doesn't take long to read them all. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about Green Lantern is, number one, it's a really cool concept. Oh, yeah. Green a Lantern. lot of the storytellers that have written for it are really good. And it's never been, like, one of the flagship titles at DC and whatnot. And so you can go to a comic book shop and, like, pick up back issues if you can find them. And you usually pick them up for, like, right around cover price, even even stuff from the 90s. Like, there's not a lot of books that are, like, super high up. Yeah. So, anyway, do it. I mean, if you... Why not? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- this book is, I-, I thought, pretty solid. It captures that whole idea you just talked about with Jessica being sort of doubtful about whether or not she's even worthy for the ring. It, it does, you know, make some jokes about how many Green Lanterns we have from Earth. Um, and it also does hint, like, there's some, there there's clearly some backstory here because I think Baz, uh, Simon Baz mentions the other Lanterns, you know, like that he talks about John Stewart, he talks about Guy Gardner, he talks about all these guys. Yeah. So, uh I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm going to keep reading this book. And honestly, like, where the New 52 ended, and it's not entirely done yet, there's still some New 52 books that are coming out to finish some storylines. Uh, Green Lantern, Edge of Oblivion is one of them. And that's actually the entire core, minus Hal Jordan. Like, Hal Jordan's still doing his thing with the Power Gauntlet, but, like, the entire core is, like, in a different universe now. Weird. Um, and they were shifted there, and this universe is dying. And um, Edge of Oblivion, issue six, is dropping this next week here which is going to be the issue where it ties that story up too. So I, I want to see where that goes versus where yeah, the rebirth storyline is going as well. Maybe that'll give us a little bit more clue to what we're getting in rebirth. I think it will. And I think, I think the edge of oblivion storyline was probably originally scheduled to be done already by now, but it just 
didn't happen yeah, that way. Yeah, it didn't happen that way, so. Okay. Um, our last Rebirth title we have to talk about this week is Batman. Batman. Uh, the Cape Crusader. So Not a soft reboot at all. It's not even a reboot of any kind, I don't think. It's no. just kind of a continuation. And, and, and Scott Snyder, who's been writing Batman for 50 fucking one issues or something like that, since the new fifty two started, actually had some input on this issue as well, and you can tell when you read it. Yeah. So, yeah, this issue has me the most confused because I definitely don't know who, like the other guy, the black kid. Yeah, I don't even know who that guy is. Um. So there's a title from the new fifty two called "We Are Robin." Uh huh. And he is basically part of a group of kids that decided that they were together going to become Robins act on their own and whatnot doesn't that tie into the bloom storyline it does slightly is, is it the like same kid it is the same kid okay that makes more sense it is the same kid um but you didn't meet him before the the whole robin storyline yeah thing either and i didn't read we are robin either so it's just kind of one of those things um but this actually the batman rebirth title is flowing directly into the new uh detective comics book um because essentially batman is creating a team He's not creating a new Robin. He's creating a team, which is why he was like, I, I didn't need a Robin. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever the dialogue was at the end when he showed it, him the It was suit. essentially the, that, like, I'm not looking for a Robin or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, and the detective book is interesting because we're going to have some characters that we've met before, um, but in different ways. We, we've not seen them. Like Batwoman, um, who's been around since the inception of New 52, is going to be part of the team. Clayface is actually going to be part of the team, which is... That's why I'm Weird. most interested to read the book because I want to find out how that whole thing happens. Yeah. Um, and I believe Tim Drake is back as part of the team as well, which I'm super fucking excited about because he's actually my favorite Robin. So I was just going to say that's another like good rebirth thing to do because uh, Tim Drake's one of those uh, characters that has been really neglected. In he's the, been around. The, he's yeah. actually been around in the... Um, like Batman Incorporated or no, something? No, Teen Titans. Okay. Like he's, he's the leader of the Titans and okay. whatnot. But I think with Wally West back, I think... Drake is he needs a new home and I think Detective Comics is probably going to be that new home so that's pretty cool yeah so what character um, obviously that he shows in the uh, some sort of new bat suit at the end of the yeah. issue do we know what character that's going to that's going to be or is that no, original I think that's new I think that's new okay well I feel less bad about being confused now and my my understanding of how the bat books are going to be is Batman is still going to be Batman but the detective is going to be the team oriented book okay so that's interesting because at least uh the i haven't read um i think i've read about half of detective comics in the new 52 continuation and that is basically like another batman book a lot more than i have yeah Yeah. because i once i realized it wasn't flowing with the actual storyline that was happening in batman i I dropped it pretty quick Hmm. yeah but but that is very batman centric so um i don't know i'm interested to see how this goes uh this uh especially if it's going to be more of a team-up book like the batman uh title proper has very much been a solo batman book for the most part there's been sometimes without bruce wayne yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it literally has followed to... the batman like whether or not it's been bruce wayne or whether it was uh, jim gordon yeah during the uh on onset of the bloom storyline and whatnot so but but really uh not a lot of the team 
you know, there's there's not a lot of the Bat family in there at all. So it's I'd be interesting to see how they're going to change that or if they're going to change that with the the rebirth titles. Um, this obviously we're setting up a, a more of a team oriented storyline from Batman Rebirth number one. Um, so I'm curious if they're going to go that direction or if they're going to use that as a launching point for other titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope they don't do go too crazy because like when the new 52 started like there was like eight books that were all bat titles like there was 52 new books out eight of them were batman yeah two or three of them were green lantern two or three of them were superman like plus there was the justice league that was also batman and superman and everything else honestly i don't think we're gonna get away from that too much like i still expect there's gonna be a lot of bat titles because uh batman sells really well batman does sell We're, we're sort of in a bat renaissance right now it does but like do people buy Batwoman? You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I stopped reading that after like the first 5 issues cuz it just it wasn't it was written more like a horror comic than it was than it was a superhero comic. And I so, honestly I, me, I, I didn't just, even like, pick it up. Like Gail Simone I think took over after a while and it probably got better after that because she had a really good run on Batgirl and I did read the Batgirl title for a long time. Mhm. Um and then Gail Simone I think she was also writing Birds of Prey too and that was really good. So, there are so many books I need to read. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's DC for the week. Yeah. So, um, you know, Rebirth, super good jumping on point. Uh, if you're not reading comics right now, uh, it's definitely a good place to start. Uh, which we've talked about in a lot of the things. And overall, so far, I felt like they're pretty strong. I'm a little confused because I'm not exactly sure how they're going to tie these things together because they're not so far, with the exception maybe of Superman, but. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to where it goes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, we've also got some other news. Do we want to talk about... Let's talk about Spider-Man 4. Yeah, that's what, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. So, uh, Spider-Man number 4 came out. This is uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man. If you haven't listened to previous episodes or are not reading that title. Um, this is the one with Gold Balls, yeah? Gold Balls, yeah. Which is... That's that's a legit superhero. X-Men, I think, actually. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're probably not as as up to date on that one either. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, who fucking writes these? Uh, but anyway, uh, I think this Bendis. is Bendis. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis. I think. Yeah, I like Bendis as a writer. I think he did a lot of the Ultimate Run. Um. Uh. Yeah. He also wrote for uh, X Men, all new X Men. I think. Cool. And Uncanny for a while. Uncanny. So, I, th- I think Uncanny is what he did actually. Not all so. New. Which in, is where Gold Balls is from. Yeah, in Spider-Man number four, um, essentially they get a new student in uh, Peter, or not Peter, Miles's class, and that's uh, Gold Balls, of course, whose real name I can't remember because his fucking superhero name is Gold Balls, which is just hilarious to me every single time I think about it. But anyway, uh, Gold Balls comes to the class, and uh, Genki, who's a bit of a dork already, is basically like every five seconds like trying to team him and Miles up because, you know, Miles is a superhero. And he's like, well, Gold Balls is a superhero, so obviously you guys should be friends, you know, like... Um, so, Genki keeps kind of like vaguely hinting, not vaguely at all, actually, completely on the nose hinting until like... W- a second later he's like oh by the way this is spider-man gold balls this guy is spider-man and what's retarded of course is the Yankees met this guy like precisely once and has spoken to him uh, maybe twice in total for a grand total of uh two or three lines of dialogue um and, and he's like hey this i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna spill, your, ruin this yeah, guy's spill secret identity. Your, your secret identity like two seconds later yeah 
Yeah, so uh, anyway, this issue kind of had me wanting to see Miles choke uh, Genki to the ground, because really stupid fucking maneuver. Genki's but. one of those guys, like, obviously, so Gold Balls has some established cred as, as, as a legit superhero in the X-Men and whatnot, so... Genki probably, I mean, I get it. Like he's he's like, well, this guy's a good guy. You're a good guy. There's no reason you guys shouldn't yeah. shouldn't know this. But like, what I really liked more than that about it though was that after that, um, Fabio Goldballs, yeah, um, was just like, dude, if if that's really true, you shouldn't have told me that at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like speaking to the actual heroism piece of it, like he really is a good guy, and and like is just like, yeah. It's probably bad form, you know? Yeah. Like, you're bad, son. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Um, uh. So, yeah. I To me, this was a cool issue just because I, I did read um, that whole, the Bendis run on Uncanny when Gold Balls was part of the team and everything like that. And um, I enjoyed watching a character who wouldn't normally show up in a Spider-Man story show up in a Spider-Man story. Yeah. It, that was interesting to me. Like, I, I definitely didn't expect that at all, so... No. Um, it was a solid book, but they haven't really done anything really spectacular in the last couple of issues. No, just good storytelling in each issue. Yeah. Like, very episodic Yeah, yeah, yeah very much. This is the hard thing about reading books in their current, like, uh, there was a lot, like, thinking back on it, there was a lot of, like, Ultimate Spider-Man is probably the Spider-Man that I know best, and there was a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man books that were like this that I had no problem with reading them at the time because I still had like another hundred issues to read. Um, so th- that's the only frustrating thing for me now, like reading them day to day. It's kind of like, well, okay. Didn't now this I'm in- stuck issue end with month. Miles getting his ass kicked though? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and we still don't know what that's all about. No, we don't. So there is a hook on yeah. this one at the end. Um, this is yeah i i enjoyed the book though like i and this is this is one of the titles that i actually legitimately look forward to coming out every week like i read all the x-men books um and i read all the spider-man well not all the spider-man books i read amazing spider-man and i read um silk Mm -hmm. um and spider-man 2099 i read all three of those um but those are all just like some of the books i really like amazing uh it's one of those that kind of teeter back and forth on sometime but it's like it's the Peter Parker storyline plus Doc Ock mm-hmm. is actually still around and he's in like this little robot dude that like Peter keeps in his lab and whatnot. <laughs> and like, I'm waiting to see like, like the payout for that whole yeah. piece. So like, that's why I keep reading it. But, um, Spider-Man with miles, like that's actually one of the books I look forward to every, every month. And it's, it's sad for me because I, I'm, I didn't actually read ultimate. Like I read like the first few issues, but I haven't finished the arc at all. And I still really like Miles as a character, even not even not having the background that like you have with the Ultimate books. I still really want to read more. You yeah, know what I mean? it's so. funny because I was reading some criticism as Miles about Miles as being like this one dimensional character, but I just don't get that. Like, uh, I, I like Miles. I, I think he's got a, a story that's similar enough, uh, but different enough from Peter Parker that it's still interesting. Um, so I, I still enjoy it. There's not really a whole magnificent amount of background in uh, the Ultimate books. Um, that you know you really necessarily need them to get to Miles because Miles is actually kind of the tail end of the ultimate uh, storyline anyway. Well, and Pete's been around for fucking 60, 70 years. Yeah, 60 I mean, years, there's so probably, much 50? backstory associated with Peter Parker. Like, of course, he's more fleshed out than a character that was invented, well, you know, what, relatively recently. But what's more interesting to me about the Miles character is like he's still a young kid and he's still trying to balance being a teenager in school with grades and all that other kind of stuff. And at the same time, be fucking Spider-Man. 
see this isn't this is one of the things that i was thinking about in relation to the cinematic universe um we're gonna get more of um that age peter parker in yeah. then in the next uh spider-man homecoming and th- this is one of the reasons why i thought they could totally do they could totally do a miles morales spider-man um did we talk about the fact that keaton's back in I think we briefly mentioned it in another show, but yeah, Keaton is definitely doing Homecoming. Um, He's, I think, playing the Scorpion. No. Uh, Vulture. Vulture. I would assume. Sorry. It's Vulture. It is Vulture. Um, But yeah, he's definitely playing Vulture. So uh, yeah, I think we talked about it before. Good. He's been in and out like a couple times. So like, I'm just like, I knew we talked about it at one point and like the next episode he was like, well, he's out. And so... (laughs) That I'm actually kind of excited for that casting news because, um, like, I want to see more good Spider-Man villains. Keaton is a fucking actor's actor too, so he's the kind of guy that's going to give you the performance you're looking for. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean. This, so this is another thing that I have perpetually in my to watch queue is Birdman. I've heard Birdman is amazing. Yeah, I've not watched it yet either, but I do. I do have it, so I'm I'm probably gonna do a viewing of it pretty quick here yeah. just because I, I do like that guy a lot like have you seen Need for Speed Mm-mm. like he's in that and uh, I'll, I'll tell you like the only reason I watched Need for Speed is because um, Aaron Paul mm-hmm. is in it and I wanted to see if he was capable of doing something that's <laughs> something not Jesse, Jesse Pinkman yeah and uh, he's kind of still a little bit Jesse Pinkman in it but um <laughs> Minus minus the meth, you know. Yeah, um, but uh, but Keaton Keaton was kind of refreshing in it because he plays kind of an insane underground DJ. Yeah, yeah. that is different for Keaton. So, I think. so that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 looking forward to that. And like again, like coming back to the comic book though, like that that's one of the things I really enjoy about it is because it's it's not just a Spider Man. It's like, well, I'm Spider Man. Um, but I'm really successful at what I do and I'm still Spider-Man, but I'm also a businessman and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, like, like if this you, kid doesn't fucking know shit about shit and he's like trying. If you saw Civil War and you really like Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider-Man so far, um, a Miles Morales Spider-Man might be for you because that's really a little bit what you're, I mean, the, the, that I guess is probably the biggest criticism and also a uh, positive I could level against the, uh, Miles Morales character is that it's very much interchangeable almost with peter parker um he miles doesn't have peter's like raw intelligence i don't think no miles is just a he's just a, he's just a kid. kid he's just, he's just a kid he's just a kid with a good heart um so that that i think is one of the things that i actually really like about miles is that um and if anything peter is better suited for uh spider-man than well, miles is but miles didn't have to be spider-man first like even in the ultimate universe peter was still spider-man first and so there was already an established uh, Link and there was a little bit of of, of backstory there, like because in spoilers, Ultimate Universe Parker dies, yeah, and and that's when Miles takes over as Spider Man and whatnot. This is a little bit different situation because obviously his world has now merged with the six one six universe, yeah, um, and so they both exist simultaneously. But that's okay. Like it's, I mean, again, Bendis does a tremendous job telling a story, so it's fun to read. Yeah, um, and maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a big Ultimate fanboy, but uh, I really like Bendis as a writer, so I'm on board. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Saga. Let's talk one more thing real quick. It's semi-comic book related, but we didn't talk about it and because I just thought about it right now and I didn't put it in the show notes. All right, go for it. Um, Dr. Manhattan. Okay. Rebirth. Yeah. Um, they asked the Marvel CEO, 
what he thought about Dr. Manhattan being involved in this. I think the Nerdist is, is the, the, the guys who posted this. Um, and he was basically just like, well, Dr. Manhattan and the Watchmen were such a good standalone storyline that it's kind of a shame to see them blended with the rest of the universe because they were well-respected as a solo entity before. Um, but then he finished the interview and he goes, that being said, if it was a Marvel property, we would have, we would have integrated it years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's actually kind of cool because I I totally agree. Like, uh, it is such a good standalone story. Um, my only fear is that they will in some way fuck it up. Like uh, Watchmen is one of my favorite. No, um, top five, definitely top five of my favorite comic book stories ever. Perhaps even favorite stories ever. Watchmen is, is, uh, what to me defines comic books as art as in more than just drawings on a page, but like art, like, uh, the Venus de Milo or, or, you know, Picasso or something like that. Um, I really like Watchmen. I really, really enjoyed Rebirth. And like I said in the last episode, if, if you would have uh, told me this idea ahead of time, I would have said, no, fuck you. Uh, but oh, I really enjoyed Rebirth. I really enjoyed the inclusion of Dr. Manhattan and, and Watchmen and the Watchmen universe in it. So yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to how this will go. I just, fingers crossed that they don't wreck it. You know, like this is kind of a little bit like how reading The Dark Knight is for me right now. Like The Dark Knight Returns is probably one of my favorite uh, another one of my favorite stories ever. I really, really love that book. And after reading Dark Knight Strikes Again, I was like, oh, man, maybe they just should have stopped uh, with The Dark Knight Returns and shouldn't have revisited that at all. But I really am enjoying the, um, what are we Dark on? Mass Race. Yeah. yeah. Dark Knight 3. I really like that too. So, you know, this is the thing about comic books is that I don't think you can hold anything too incredibly sacred like that because everything, everything in comics gets rebooted. Everything dies. Everything comes back. Everything comes from a different universe. There's time travel. There's all kinds of bullshit. Like, I don't think you can get too married to one-off storylines like that because it, it all ends up cyclical in some way. Well, and the Dark Knight story too is, is weird because the Dark Knight Returns actually prompted DC to get him to write, uh, Frank Miller to get him to write, uh, uh, Batman Year One, which instead of being uh, relegated to its own universe like the Dark Knight is, like they actually incorporated Batman Year One into the the, the legit universe. So which is cool because Batman Year One is another fantastic Batman story. Like I really, really, really enjoy Batman Year One. For those of you folks at home, uh, Batman or Batman Matt. He only wishes he was Batman. <laughs> is pointing to his year one trade that's uh, up there on the, the shelf. The hardbound trade. The actually. hardbound trade. Yeah, there you go. That actually has the animated DVD uh, and Blu-ray. Yeah, bound with it. So those are cool. I actually I loved uh, both the comic and I actually thought that the story that they did uh, or the movie that they did was a pretty good take on it. So um, plus, funny enough, Commissioner Gordon plays Batman in that movie. Uh, I can't remember what his fucking Ben something. McKinsey, oh okay, uh, who plays Commissioner Gordon in Gotham, actually voices Batman in that movie. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, and uh, Commissioner Gordon in that movie is voiced by um, none other than uh, the guy from Breaking Bad, whose name I can't remember right now. But Walt. Yeah. Fucking. Um, Brian. Brad. Cranston. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. There you yeah. go. Man, I really like that guy. Yeah, and he's super awesome as Commissioner Gordon, I thought, in that, that did, movie. Did you ever see the pics of him from, uh, I think it was San Diego Comic-Con 
2014. It was 13 or 14. I don't remember. Um, but there was a company there that was doing like lifelike masks. And I mean, and when I say lifelike, I mean like a dude puts this mask on and like you don't know that it, you're not that dude. Well, he went and bought or was given a Walter White mask Cranston was and he wore it <laughs> all through Comic-Con and like it was it was hilarious because like when people actually saw him take it off and then realized it was like the legit Brian Cranston like what the fuck like <laughs> talking about a mind fuck holy yeah. hell yeah yeah um no but that's I didn't see that but that's totally awesome yeah and that, you, dude, you know, that actually, dude is such a fucking good dude like in now terms that of, I think like, about it what he's willing to do now that I think about it, I'm a little super disappointed that they didn't get Brian Cranston to do uh, Commissioner Gordon in the in the Batman versus Superman universe. That could have been really good. Yeah. Instead, yeah. Yeah. we get somebody who's already played a prominent character in a Marvel property, and I'm absolutely not happy about it in any way, shape, or form. But that's fine. remind me again. Who is that? I know because I, I know I know who this is, but I can't think of um, the name. It's J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that's actually just disappointing because like. It, reboots uh universe reboots aside like you could totally like he should just be j jonah jameson forever he's so perfect for that role yeah yeah no i i i agree and it's like my other point is like there's no other actors out there yeah i mean uh, i don't want to hold it against him because obviously johnny storm is captain america but um johnny storm's captain america yeah you're not wrong about that johnny storm is also a dude in black panther who we've not seen (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah, first off, I really love him as James Jonah Jameson, and I really wish that like like they 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 could they don't even need to make that a line like they should have just kept him as J. Jonah Jameson like I, pay him whatever money he wants and make him J. Jonah Jameson because he's that good at that character. Pay um, him his money. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Brian Cranston I think would make an awesome Commissioner Gordon. So I don't get anything for the Rounders reference. Come on, Rounders though. Yeah. All right. Rounders, come on, man! All right, whatever. Rounders is an awesome movie. It's all right. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Maybe it is an awesome movie. You but... ever played poker? Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than Malkovich's terrible fucking Russian accent, pay <laughs> him his money. <laughs> he beat me straight up. All right, let's talk all right. saga. All right, um, saga. Oh yeah, this was a good issue. I yeah, really enjoyed this. This one. was a super good issue. We get a very big reunion in this issue, which was uh, years in the in the making, at least in the comic continuity. Yeah, um, I, it it took me literally like six weeks, and I was like, oh look at that, they're together again. But yeah, <laughs> so in this episode, Hazel finds her daddy, and yeah, it's, well, it's, daddy finds Hazel. More, yeah, more to the point. Yep. Um, really fucking super good issue. I, I enjoyed this one, and fucking um, also Goose. <laughs> Okay, first off, Goose is like my favorite thing in anything ever. <laughs> I love Goose. Goose is the best thing. Um, also, you don't threaten Frendo. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Secondarily, uh, maybe the reason I love Goose so much is when I read Goose's lines, I hear butters. <laughs> yeah. So that I love, especially because in Goose actually has some teeth. Like Goose is not a bitch. Like uh, he's he's just. You know, he he's keeps seemingly a timid little tiny baby seal, but then like all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, fuck you! I have a sword." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, or an axe. He has an axe. He has an axe. He has the best axe. So, so number one, goose. Goose is uh, 
if Goose, if Saga gives us nothing other than Goose, uh, Saga goes down in history as one of the best books ever. Um, secondarily, th- this episode, or this book is a little bit of a tearjerker because we have not only the reunion between um, Hazel and Marco, Marco, but we also have Marco having to leave his mom behind. Not having to. No, mom makes a choice. Mom says yeah. essentially, like you, you, uh, I'm not going. Like these people need me, essentially, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's so. kind of found her home in the internment camp that uh, that she and Hazel got taken to following the events of the uh, uh, rebellion yeah. piece of the storyline. And um, this was this was awesome. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, who was who was is was it the 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 tranny that jump through with him because yes. he, he could only take two yeah um and pardon my term like that's just the only thing i I don't remember his or her name yeah neither do i i think it's her the proper pronoun here is her uh, would it be her she definitely ad- ad- identifies as female but yeah whatever uh so she goes through like she jumps through with hazel and um and then chaos ensues there because like she's like ah fuck you because she sees uh yeah. alana <laughs> alora is it alana it's alana alana yeah, yeah. And um, doesn't understand like what she's getting into, even though she knows full well that Hazel is is a hybrid of of yeah. both of them and whatnot. So, um, and that's kind of where that book ends too. We don't really know how that story plays out. So, I'm kind of looking forward to 37 for that in specific because Hazel's back with her mommy as well now. Yeah. Um. Gosh, Saga is such a good book in general, but this is a particularly good issue. I think, um, you know, th- those two moments alone, just the the whole goose interaction and the whole, um, uh, no, not goose, goose. You say you don't say goose, you say goose instead. That, again, one of the best lines ever. Um, yeah, I think this book took me like five minutes to read because I was so into it. Like, oh yeah, me like, too. Boom, boom, just, boom. <laughs> it, th- this is a hard book to talk about because. Um, the know, will, we, the will is is a big factor in it, and he's hallucinating the stock. He's, he's hallucinating the brand, fat. the brand. Yeah. He's fat as shit. Yeah, um, he's like Val Kilmer, you know, in between thing, in between projects, essentially. Which has been a long time for Val. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, the brand. Maybe I should have said Brando. The brand hallucination, though, is he, he does look very much Marlon Brando esque, like uh, oh all, yeah, uh, yeah, fucking Island of Doctor Moreau. Yep, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, the brand hallucination, though, is actually awesome because, like, it's like the drug that he's on kind of makes you hallucinate past loves and whatnot. And obviously, he loves his sister too. So all of a sudden, like, she's there and she's like, "The fuck, man? Yeah, <laughs> could you not?" Jesus Christ! Could could you not be such a raging fuckhole? Yeah. Like um, that that interaction between these b- between this character and a figment of his imagination was really fun too. Yeah. Um, just in general, like the the way that they tell that story, I think with the will and him hallucinating all this shit is kind of interesting and gen- just you know as a plot device um, that it's really well done is also another you know positive for it. So agreed. No. This this book this and honestly I love this comic book. This has been one of my favorite issues in a long time, just because it I've has, been waiting yeah. for the reunion between Marco and his and his kid for a long time because he's been separated from her longer than Alana has. So he has, and then the secondary part of this too is that um, yeah, I didn't know 
when we would get it at all. No. Like, so first off, this book is told from the sto- the perspective of Hazel, and Hazel says, you know, when, when they the first issues, separate, like, like yeah. it would be years before I would see him again. And yeah. so um, we've had some really interesting or odd time skips in uh, Saga. See, I've never known how long it's going to be. You know, like, does she mean years like it'll be two years, or does she mean like years like it'll be I'll be a full grown woman by the time my dad right. finds me again? Right. So uh, it was cool to see them getting back together at this point. The moment where she like recognized him and said the words daddy to him, like, it to me was very reminiscent of when Wally got pulled from the speed oh, force so by much. Barry when like the how could I forget you line like I welled up like seriously like, oh, yeah. I was, like if I were Kevin Smith right now I'd just be balling all yeah, over his keyboard like, here I, I I was reading it I was like it's happening like this is it like yeah and like when it first happened like when he first got there and I knew that they were going to reunite like that was my only question is like are they going to pull some kind of mind fuck on us where like Hazel doesn't remember him you know yeah. or what but like, and he had the stupid little doll with him too, and it was like, I guess I don't need this anymore because you're too old for it. And she was like, "Daddy, like, yeah." And I, I was like, I, "Oh my god." Yeah, I think we both probably are coming a little bit from the same place here, like having young girls. But Jesus Christ, like that was that was uh uh like I said, if I were Kevin Smith, I would just be it would just be uh you know raindrops right now, <laughs> um because I do you know when I read that I definitely welled up myself like that was a such a satisfying moment like as as a dad like especially as a dad that was a, such a satisfying moment um that said even if you're not a dad uh, I think you still totally dig it so yeah read the book yeah definitely definitely if if you're a comic book fan um at all or if you're not and you're like I don't like superhero stories get Saga because Saga's See, not a superhero story at all like I know the thing is, is that every time we talk about Saga on this show it sounds like a total clusterfuck and it kind of is but it's so brilliant like you Saga's one of the books that I would definitely recommend it's probably not a book you could talk about it in a linear fashion like it's not a book that I would recommend to first time comic book readers but if you kind of like comics so far dude grab Saga I, 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 I would argue that point I would say if you think comic books are childish and stupid like go read saga yeah because saga is absolutely not childish and stupid plus there's boobs there is yeah (laughs) all right so let's talk about the walking dead 154 uh negan right yep yeah um I, I love, first off, this issue's fun because we haven't got to see Negan being Negan in, a in long some time. time. Yeah. And this this is so much Negan just being Negan and and you get all the dialogue that you would expect from him and that that's really gratifying. This is this is there's a lot of things going on in, in this particular issue too and this is um Carl number 1 has been living at Hilltop for a while with yep. his little lady friend who is a former whisperer. So much so that he doesn't consider um, Alexandria his home. He he basically says, "I am home," you know, concerning Hilltop. Well, it, he's his own man there. Like that's yeah. the thing is, like they treat him like he is not a kid. Like he has a job. Um, he's got a, a lady friend. Yeah, um, I, I think he even kind of says that, or or that's kind of you know like a dialogue, yeah, you know, a piece of dialogue in the thing. Like, uh, oh, Andrea, you're, you're definitely a man now. You know, Andrea and um, uh, Maggie talk yep. about that actually. Um, because Maggie's like, he's not going to want to go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, it's it's wonderfully written, like, as far as that that piece of it goes. Um, and so they kind of do their own thing. Um, Andrea sees uh, Rick for the first time in a while, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's been beat up. And he's like, she's like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, uh, I learned how to be a better leader. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that because it's such a progression from where Rick started. Like Rick got the shit kicked out of him a lot of times. And so it's interesting to me that he sees that now as like, I got the shit kicked out of me again, 
and that taught me how to be a better leader yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so we've got that, and then we've got Negan uh, meeting the uh, Whispers Alpha. and Alpha for the first time, and still not having any fucking tact whatsoever. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good though. He, he says something like, and and again, if you, if you only watch the walking dead TV show, you're not going to hear quite the crassness that you get from no. Negan in the book, but he says something like, uh, you know, I'm a handsome man or something like that. And he's talking to alpha. Who's a woman, um, a, you know, bald headed bald woman <laughs> wearing a, a zombie skin, skin suit. And he's saying like, you know, like, like I know I'm handsome like I know I probably soak those panties right through the zombie skin suit you're wearing you're gonna need another one yeah it's so funny yeah it's so funny um so yeah uh, and he talks about like wanting specific pieces of his skin suit when he gets one like that's... yeah <laughs> and don't forget to leave enough room in the crotch area yeah. because yeah yeah yeah, Fucking so Negan. Negan. I mean, just again, if you if you're reading the books and you enjoyed Negan's dialogue, which you know, should be all of you because it's great. Uh, th- this is a very Negan book, and, and I loved it. So uh, definitely read Walking Dead 154. I think this is probably one of the bigger progressions we've had in, in a little bit of time. Um, you know, actually, probably the biggest thing that's happened in recent memory is uh, Negan getting out yeah and now seeing where they go with that and i really love the the line at the end alpha says something like how the fuck have you survived this long on your own (laughs) yeah (laughs) like somebody should have stabbed you in your stupid fucking mouth already like which is funny because that's that you know that's like a natural thing to think when you talk to somebody who talks like negan does um especially considering like rick was really at that point he was like nope we're just gonna put him in jail yeah and now he's out so yeah that might be the last we see a peaceful rick for a while too it wouldn't surprise me like this may be thinking may or has me thinking that like Negan's going to come back and fuck shit up in a big way and uh, Rick is going to take that as a lesson like no I was wrong too you know like the old laws don't work anymore and we should have just killed that fucker a long time ago I tried it their way yeah now we're doing it my way yeah Rick Tatorship 2016 yeah we'll see Um, again Walking Dead doesn't disappoint I don't think I've read an issue of this book yet that I've just been like eh that was weak yeah, I mean, there's certainly um, issues that are not as uh, impactful. Yeah, but I've enjoyed every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the characters are much, much better fleshed out, I think, in the comic book than they are in the in the TV series. Mine is Carol. Carol never really got fleshed out that much, and they've done a lot with her in the TV show. But I think that's out of necessity rather than creativity. Yeah, I think it depends on who you're talking about. Like Rick, I think it receives a similar level of treatment, at least thus far. Um, but a lot of the other characters don't. And then, obviously, there are a lot of characters that have changed significantly from well, the book to the TV show. To but, be fair, on the TV show, Rick's character progression has come uh, after six years like versus like 11 or 12 in yeah. the comic books. Like He's had twice as long to kind of flesh out that character in the comics. Yeah. So There's a lot more comic than there is show so far. Yeah. 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 So I think that does it for comic book talk this week. Um, next week, though, we've got more. We've got Wonder Woman Rebirth. We've got Aquaman Rebirth. We've got Titans Rebirth. We've got For, Action Comics 957, I think, and Detective Comics number 600 and whatever it is. And for now, I think I'm pretty on board with reading all the Rebirth titles. Like, yeah. um, four or five books a week is not un, like not that difficult. Uh, it's actually really funny because I was uh, listening to the uh, Mark Hamill, Fat Man on Batman, and one of the things I learned is that Mark Hamill is a big comic nerd. Yeah. And he was talking was specifically been. about uh, how books, you know, started at like 60 pages and then, uh, like, he Went was 48 asking... 48 and then 36 and... Yeah, he was asking, how did how did comic books stay 10 cents for so very long? And the, the short of it is they, they the books kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. 
So, you know, anyway, as it relates back to today, I can totally read 20 pages, like, in the blink of an eye. Like, it's 22 pages is the standard length for a comic book now, so. Yeah, Saga, you know, any of these books take me all of five minutes to read, so I, I think I'm pretty on board to read all the rest of the Rebirth titles, at least this far. Um, there's no uh, telling what which ones I'll get bored with and eventually drop, but right now I'm kind of on board for reading them all. Yeah, so next week we're going to talk about the additional Rebirth titles and some of the new, like, or, like, not new, but the now renumbered part of the original continuity action comics detective comics yeah um we're also going to talk civil war next week because i'll be caught up with it um, awesome i'm actually going to probably discuss the x-men uh apocalypse war storyline uh which takes place crossover that takes place over like three different books and stuff but it does it in a very unique way compared to most crossovers and i'll i'll, I'll be finished with it i think by next week i think um or at least caught up to current so i'll be able to talk about that excellent quite a bit uh, anything else coming out next week? Um, hopefully soon we'll be able to get back to our spawn rereads. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's fallen a little bit by the wayside because there's so many cool comics out right now. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cool comics coming up. Um, but we have less TV to watch too, so that's that's true. That's I I do have Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays completely free now. And Mondays. Yeah, yeah Mondays. Supergirl too. That's true. That's true. Um, speaking of that, do we know what nights is, is, is it going to be Monday night? You think when it comes back? Uh, I kind of think so because I think that lines up too well. That 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 gives the CW a foothold for Monday through Thursday. Yeah, which is kind of the biggest TV watching nights. Unless I mean, Friday, Saturday, Friday. Sunday. Yeah, I still think Friday is the, like the death slot. Like, I don't think that that's a good idea for them. So I think they no. should stick with Monday. But I don't know what that pro- what programming on the CW that would co opt for Mondays. Like, um, they do have some other shows that are doing fairly well. So. But I do think that they'd be kind of stupid not to stick it back on Mondays. Vampire Circle Jerk? I don't know. Yeah, probably something like that. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show for this week. If you want to hear more great stuff from us, you can go find us on iTunes and give us a rating and all that good stuff. We would very much appreciate that, and especially if you spread that link to your friends. Um, You can find us on Twitter, at WhateverYShow. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WhateverYShow. And we will take your questions, comments, and hate mail, etc. at questions at whatever.co. And if you really hate the show, really hate it, Eddie is at Charles E. Smith on yeah. Twitter. And Matt is at the brutal one, I like beer, B-R-E-W, uh, on Twitter as well. So yeah. follow us and you know we'll tweet you back and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Or talk shit. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, tell you why you're wrong about stuff. Yeah. Please. Yeah. By all means. Tell me why I'm wrong about comic books. I challenge you to tell me why I'm wrong about comic books. <laughs> It is funny, actually, uh, going on Twitter and talking about this stuff, um, it, or or not even Twitter, but you know, pretty much any online medium, and, and seeing how different people view some of these things. Like, uh, you know, we we talked about this, but we didn't put in the show notes the poll uh, you were talking about how people felt about DC's rebirth, and I was like, well, most people liked it, and seven people were totally fucking wrong, <laughs> wasn't it? No, it was seven people didn't like Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, and eleven like people didn't like Rebirth, and I'm like. Do they not know how to read comics? Yeah, I was like, well, they they, they just don't have taste. And then I found out your new brother-in-law is one of those guys, so. Oh, man. I wasn't going to say it, but. Yeah, he's wrong, too. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome <laughs> to the family. Now learn how to read a comic book. See you next week. Later, guys.